Life doesn't always turn out the way you thought it would, and we know that firsthand. We were both homeschooled in a band together called Elmo Whedon, grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas, and raised with fundamentalist Christian values. We both went to Texas A&M University. Whoop! We were both married with children, later divorced, and we've been navigating relationships post-divorce for better or worse, probably worse. I'm crying. As we all know, there is a lot of power in having someone to talk with about what's going on in your life. And that's how this podcast started. Just two friends hashing things out. We don't have the answers, but we are pretty close. Just kidding. We hope these conversations resonate with you as we reflect on the irony, tragedy, comedy, and the oh-so-tangled webs we weave. I'm Cecilia Rhodes. And I'm Joe Hameter. Welcome to Tricky Situations. Hello, everyone. It's Joe here. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Um, we've loved hearing back from some of you. Um, there's been people who've reached out and we've gotten some pretty good feedback so far. So that's, um, pretty encouraging and uh, great to hear. So, uh, yeah, we love hearing from y'all and, um, please don't hesitate to reach out Facebook, Instagram, or comment on the actual podcast, um, spots. I know some of you have commented on, uh, the Apple podcast, uh, platform, and um, we definitely like hearing from everyone because we want to see how it's being received and, you know, if this is relevant information to anybody's life. Uh, we think it is, but it's, it's always great to get um, confirmation of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, let us know what you think and like and subscribe as uh, the old saying goes. Um, one note you may notice in the, the last episode and also in this upcoming one and also the two episodes that are coming after that one, which we've already recorded, that it um, throughout the episode, it kind of abruptly stops and it might seem like we change topics or, you know, we kind of try and pick up where we left off. Um, we're f- basically fumbling into this t- from a production standpoint and We've recorded uh, a number of the episodes on my iPad, and I am a dum-dum when it comes to um, making a professionally produced podcast, Uh, but it's going to get better, we promise, after that, so just kind of bear with us. Hello, everyone. This is our third podcast. It's been a while since we did the last one, but we're uh, trucking forward. Today we have a special guest for you guys, our Yay. friend Promise Rhodes, who we were both in a band with. So we talk about uh, some of our experience in the band and some stories from that, and then we all talk about our personal experience with divorce. Rah, rah. Yeah, you want to talk about um, those oh-so-tangled webs we weave? Yeah, somewhere we all never expected to be but it's really good and I think it's eye-opening for um, just everyone to understand and be able to relate to and that they're not alone and that we all kind of end up in places we don't always expect but uh, yeah we're excited about it Uh, Promise also happens to be my sister so we both grew up together and um, have similar experiences but also yeah in our own way Um, as always disclaimer we love our friends and our families never trying to hurt anyone um but uh 
we do our best to share our feelings um, without exposing anyone. So, and as always, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. So, <laughs> excited about this uh, third episode that we're about to release. Okay, here we are. Episode three. Episode three. Joseph, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. In fact, you haven't. It's been a little long, too long. Make sure you get, uh, yeah. A little, there we go. Yep, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, what you been up to? Pretty much just working and doing normal life. Living that dream. You're working on a project for your family still, right? Yes. How's uh, that going? Uh, it's going fine. It's, it's slow just cause I only work on that after work. So I work my normal job and then I stay there and work on that afterwards at the office, but way to grind. It'll be worth it. Yeah. And you've been out of town. We have been touring um, the globe. Yes. We just thought we'd take this, um, summer, uh, pandemic summer, summer of pandemic. <laughs> Not sure what I want to call it. Is that a twist it, on summer of love? Kind of, but with a lot less love and a lot more frustration. Um, yeah, so my kids and I took off and um, kind of been all over. My daughter turned 16, uh, what, a week and a half ago? Like, what is that? I don't feel old enough to have a 16-year-old, but uh, Did y'all do anything do. fun? Well, we were in Branson, so that it was fun. We were actually out on um, Table Rock Lake is where we were staying. I didn't know you went to Branson. Yeah, we Isn't did. Isn't that like a carnival? There's carnivals <laughs> and like banjos and there's so lots of there's music there's definitely and stuff. that like... Andy Williams? Can we just say the ghetto strip side of things? But, uh, I mean, it's fun. There's lots of um, photo ops and that kind of thing. But if you go down to the landing, which is a great area, you know, a little newer... Um, that's where we went. We went and ate um, actually kind of at a, almost a Baja-style Mexican restaurant out there. And there's a fountain, a water show, and all of that. So um, actually, my brother lives close to one of my brothers to Table Rock Lake. So we uh, hung out with them and then uh, went to the landing. But it's beautiful out there. I, I knew, you know, my brother moved not too long ago. I think it's been less than a year. Um, but I didn't realize how close he was. And if you've never been, that's an amazing place to to go i mean it's beautiful so. i went out there one time on a road trip with some friends like way way back but oh, nice. i don't remember much about it other than there was just like a lot of music stuff too I much think. boozing or uh, <laughs> uh i think i was like 13 uh, oh okay you were a child <laughs> yeah block that out so when is she getting her license so she has her permit or i guess supposedly she is officially can drive she passed her test for a permit um I believe we actually came in, I guess, two days ago. And when we passed DPS, they looked like they were open or at least meeting people outside. So we should be able to get that set up this coming week where she can actually get her official permit. So nice. that'll be awesome. But yeah, so she turned 16 and then we actually went, you know, we talked about on the, I think the last podcast about my father, uh, not my father, my grandfather um, passing away. So we actually had the honor of taking his ashes um, to Kentucky and, um, had a little ceremony up there and we went all the way to West Virginia, um, got to stay in my aunt's cabins. Amazing. Right on the river in, um, Linville. Well, I guess technically her cabins are in Newland, North Carolina, but Linville river 
cottages, yeah. I believe is what they're called. And amazing. You can sleep on the back patio weather. It was like in the sixties at night. So did that. And that was a little unexpected. She just called me, um, while we were out of town cause she knew we were up there, um, taking care of everything for my grandfather. And she said, I'm not there, but if you want to go and stop by. So we did, and we just kept staying. So I ended up being there like five days anyway. Nice. Um, kind of ended the road trip with, we drove through Nashville. Nashville was interesting. <laughs> I think that, um, there were probably really cool parts that I didn't get to see. We kind of were again down on Broadway. And so it's very tourist, touristy. And, um, oh, and my son, uh, definitely asked me what a hooker was. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, I looked down at him and there was apparently a homeless man holding a sign that said, just need money for hookers. Yeah. And so my son was like, Hey mom, what's a hooker? But you know what I like is that we've got that relationship. So I yep. was like, wow. So anyhow, finished well, he out. didn't know what a hooker was previously. So yeah. So, <laughs> but he knew what a prostitute was. So we kind of just, he, he might've thought it was like a fishing pole or something. <laughs> he is into fishing. So I'm sure that he <laughs> Mommy, was like, what's a hooker? Oh. he's like fishing, <laughs> you know, it's his big thing now. So, um, he spent a lot of time in the river. Um, but we brought it, um, kind of back came through Memphis and it was actually it was awesome I had never been there I've been to Memphis but not to we went to the hotel where uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated oh wow kind of brought it home so actually right before maybe half an hour before we got there I put on you know his I have a dream speech and then I put on his last the last speech he ever made um for the kids to hear and and we had listened to him before but it had been a long time and then we went and saw that so that was pretty uh what's the word um, sobering yes sobering so it was good though <laughs> it was good and it was good for my kids in light of everything that's going on right now yeah. and getting to see a man who believed in standing up for your your own beliefs but did it in a peaceful way so that was awesome and then headed back home so nice yeah so it was great great to get away not but to make light of the purpose of the trip as to why you went up there originally but it sounds like it could be like an indie movie or something you're well, like on a trip with your kids and you're taking your grandparents ashes your grandpa's ashes yes. up there and he's your son's asking you what a hooker is and then you went to this hotel and and it got better actually during, so we had a mini, we had a mini um, ceremony, right? Internment <laughs> ceremony. So, because my kids were actually saying exactly what you're saying. They're like, we had to write a book or like a little mini movie or, you know, whatever. Um, and we had our dog and our dog is certified um, as a, an emotional support animal. There's a lot of PTSD in our family. So definitely we're able to um, make that happen. So anyhow, the dog was with us. My a lot of things happen, including my bank account getting hacked. Um, so it, all of a sudden, I'm like six hundred dollars, six hundred and fifty dollars in the red. Oh my god! No, oh yeah, I I forgot. I hadn't. We we haven't talked. It feels like in forever. So, um, yeah. So that happens, right? So I'm up there, and me being me, uh, didn't have any other form of, you know, way to pay or anything like that. And uh, so my father is having to like. We're trying to like put his credit information into my um, Apple pay. I mean, it was just a mess. So my yeah. grandfather ended up being an hour and a half late for his own internment ceremony, which is hilarious because let's just say hashtag karma. He can't stand being late. So not only was he cremated, 
which we're totally fine with, but his late wife would not have been fine with. He was late for his own internment. Wow. But it was dark. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was great. And then the dog, while we, we did a little, I read a couple verses from the Bible. You know, the kids played us. Jude had his speaker, you know, played a song. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but literally why my while my daughter is reading kind of his remembrance we had a whole thing written up the dog is hiking on the fake flowers on the tombstone right next to his hiking yes like hiking his leg like going to pee on the flowers oh. so i'm like I you telling like my son like hiking the dog. like white people go on hikes. yes so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but yes, this could be a, yeah. a nice little indie film. We you could, should. We y'all, make it y'all, that wouldn't be a fun creative exercise for y'all to write about together as oh, a family. We should do it. I think we will. So. Nice. But yeah, so that's been that, and you've been working. Yep, I'm uh, just loving loving College Station. It's yeah. blowing all of my expectations out of the water. Just a, <laughs> basically your favorite place. It's probably not that bad, but it just doesn't help that I moved back from Hawaii right when a pandemic happened. So <laughs> even going and right. doing something, just like going out to a bar and meeting other people outside of my family. Is almost impossible. Yeah. Well, I mean, not. I, I don't want to say it's impossible. I probably could make it happen, but it's a little, little bit of a challenge right now. All right. Well, we're excited to introduce our first guest. Ooh. Which yeah. I think is appropriate that she is our first guest. I do too. I'll, actually, I'll let you introduce her. So today, our very first interview is my very own sister, Promise Rhodes. Welcome, Hello. Promise. We're very thank you for having me. Very glad to have you. We're super excited, and like he said, I think it's um, really appropriate that you be our first uh, guest and interview, um, as we ha- all all three of us have a lot of history together. And as we say on this podcast, appropriate first. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we're, we're far from. It's not supposed to make sense. We're far from uh, appropriate and far from. No, I'm just kidding. Mom's is like, what does that mean? She's like, am <laughs> I as, as as am I supposed to know this? No. So, uh, but we're excited. Me too. I'm I'm really excited. So, what have you been up to these days? Um. How's I mean, this uh, pandemic treating you? The you know rough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I people don't know, but like I live up in Grapevine, which is in DF, the Dallas Fort Worth area. So I'm not close to y'all. So it's nice that I can when I come down here, I, we can do something like this. But for me, I've been working up in Grapevine in that area for like three years, <coughs> and about a month ago, I got laid off from the job I'm in now, oh, or I was man. in because of covid so that's been really rough um along with like granddad dying <laughs> and then I like everything you. that's happened with you and just our whole family it's been like real rough but everything happens for a reason so you think you can found you, it? hey can you get a little bit more in the mic when you talk yes yeah that's good thanks <laughs> uh, gonna be like on it so promise was in a band with us if you remember, we've mentioned it before. We had a band called Elmo Whedon. Yes. It's Elmo probably Whedon. more like we were in a band with her because yeah, she was it, the front woman. Definitely. <laughs> was. She was. That's she so was weird. our lead our lead singer. Also wrote a lot of our songs. Probably half of them. Did you write more songs than My Tucker ex-husband? did? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think, um, I, I mean, 
some of the you know how we would when we do like a kind of a break and i would group sessions or are you Sing. talking about when we, like, would, when we play live oh right oh, yeah. you, we kind of have a break or whatever and i'd play like something by myself so i feel like maybe like 60 40 yeah. i don't know like 60 percent so. or whatever but you i know, did like pretty much all the singing Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And then uh, Joe, you came in kind of towards vocals. the end of the band. You started doing some harmonies and some background. You know, I was thinking um, maybe a week or so ago. I was thinking about uh, when we wrote. Did we write the darkness? Like I think you started writing it, and then yeah. we came in and all wrote it together. And I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. I really uh, liked that. I wish you know. Of course, we started doing that at the end of the band, but um, I wish we had done that more because I think everybody brings a little something to the table. Right. That was a great song. It turned out to be. I, I wouldn't mind yeah. having a recording. It's one of my of favorite it. ones that we did. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a good example of uh, co-writing because I, at the time, I couldn't really do. Um, lyrics too well i think i had like the actually i'm not even sure i really had any lyrics but i mean i don't think you did probably not didn't you just have the darkness or no did maybe you didn't even have that i can't remember it's a great song i think i think promise ended up writing most of the lyrics to that one we should i don't know if we'll have time but if we have time we should do a little blurb of a little acoustic um you know, maybe we'll <coughs> see if we don't have time. That's a good bit. Put it at the end. Yeah, totally. So uh, you're start you're doing a little more writing these days, right? Or you're st- starting to get back into it? Yeah. So I basically from 2009 until 2019, I kind of just stopped music altogether. Uh, like here and there, I would perform. Um, like when I lived in Midland, I did a little bit of stuff like at restaurants by myself. But I just kind of let that go by the wayside. But in 2019, I was like, this is like what I was born to do. I've got to get back into it. So I started writing again. And it's really cool. Like my older songs are good. Mm-hmm. Like I know I can write songs. So they're they're pretty good. But like the newer stuff, I'm, it's oh my God. like this whole, you can to- totally tell like the um, maturation. Is that a word? But you mm-hmm. can tell like it's it's grown. Like yeah. I've... I've um, a lot I've more life experience. Exactly. It's the life experience. So yeah. it's Which pretty cool. Life experience is a great songwriter. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Have you, yeah. you haven't heard her new song. Didn't, don't you have one called Pins and Promises? Maybe you did once. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I think that you one. heard Drink This Gin. Oh, Drink. Th- yeah. But I don't think you heard Broken Pins and Empty Promises. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll have to That's play it for him later. Part. It's, but it does make a difference. It's life experience, but then just the, the sound and, um, learning different things that you know it's in in every form of life but you know writing it progresses and grows yeah you know my voice has improved too it's really i guess it's just again it, it matured because like some stuff when i listen to like our eps and stuff <laughs> i'm like ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not so great but now it's like i i don't know it's a lot more rich i think than so it was that decade of smoking it's all that smoking. I don't smoke. <laughs> She's like, oh, sorry. Disclaimer. I was just reading into it. That's pretty funny. So we were um, a band for about five years, right? It was five um, and did a bunch of, um, I mean, we played a lot of shows. Yeah, it was a good time for sure. I was I was the youngest in the band, yeah. I think. I think I was you were about 15 when you came in, 15 or 16. Yeah. You're right there in that range. A baby. Yeah, because I think I was 17 when really? we started. Oh, that would be right. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you're 
two years younger than me, I think. I'm 31 now. Yeah, I'm 33. Okay. So, yeah, I was pretty sure I was 17 when we started. He and Dave were born the same year. We were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we were saying we want to talk about our favorite Elmo Whedon moment. Oh, man. Do y'all have any that pops to mind? Um, probably, like, when we played that Battle of the Bands. <gasps> Like at that lake. Battle of the Bands. I can't remember Somerville. what. We got second place, right? Yeah, we got second place. So we got recording time. And That's then like, right. remember Di- my friend. Fine. <laughs> and like her. her De- <laughs> Bethany. <laughs> but no, um, my friend and her brother mm-hmm. were there. And like a lot All of the them, dancing. Yeah. The dan- That's like stands out to me. Like it was so much fun getting to like dance and because they can country dance really well. What so a we great all, time. All that was got to fun. Dance with the other bands. Because most of them were kind of country, weren't they? Yeah. Yes. Or like. What band you, beat us? Were they crosswind. like metal? What, oh, no. Yes. You remember. remembers, of course. Where is Crosswind these days? Yeah, they were, they were like a uh, Christian um, alternative yes. rock kind of band. But yeah. they were all pretty old. That's yeah. what I thought. It they was were all like 40 like years old plus. Out. But there was a girl in their band. I remember that. But they were. That it was, was Crosswind like the cross. Yes. So mm. they nailed that pun. Yes, they did. That was I, great I remember, I think either their band or another band that played, they had one guy in the group who was just kind of a vibe uh, vibe controller on stage. And he was just kind of like, oh, he was like right. hype man. And he, was, he didn't play an instrument, but he was just on stage, like just getting people amped. I remember wow. that. And like, and he yeah. Would, he would uh, do kind of a mime of like whatever word was relevant. Yes, that's I mean, right. There was, <laughs> there was one one lyric they had. It was like, and scrape. And he did like this claw <laughs> motion Joe. with oh his my. hand. How do you remember I totally stuff? forgot, but we all uh, used to say yeah. scrape. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, because we talked about it so much. Just that one specific. See, thing. like where, where was my brain when we were having these conversations? Because uh, I don't yeah. remember that. Do you remember? Do you guys remember our, um, it's like our hustle, like what, or whatever we would do to amp ourselves up right before. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, right. You know, yeah. the little uh, like, yeah. uh, whatever that was. It helps you get did the we, did Aaron come up adrenaline with out. You? It's from Troop. We used to do it from <gasps> oh, for that's Troop. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the whole band. That's would where do we it. learned it anyway. That so. and a couple shots of something. I was good to go. I used to have to take shots before tests. <laughs> <laughs> now college. we know how you got through school. <laughs> I just had Kidding. such bad anxiety, test anxiety. I think one of my. I have a couple of moments that are coming to mind. The first one, for some reason, is when we first played The Darkness. I was so nervous to seeing in front of anyone that um, I had to... I basically had to turn off the lights in the practice room. I don't know if y'all remember that. Wait, in front I of us? Do. Yeah. You were that nervous? I oh. do remember now. I had I never, I'd never like, really sang out before. So we... we we're in the practice room that we had, which was at your in-laws house. <laughs> and then um, we had kind of practiced the music and then we were just going to see how it went. I think I'd been practicing uh, the lyrics by myself and then we played together. We had a, a, everything mic'd up and all that. And I couldn't, I couldn't like see any, I, I just was too nervous. So I turned out all the lights That's and so just funny. went for it. But that was, that was a good moment. Kind of broke good. through that fear. I yeah. think. I think you had played like at like campfires we'd had or something because I remember like one time I heard you sing and I was like, "Whoa, he can we, actually!" We sing. were like, "What?" Yeah, I, I, yeah. We like I knew you could sing, but like you, 
rarely I would do it enough for us to actually be able to hear. The first time I sang in front of anyone was at um, the Erickson's house in uh, Weimar. And they had a campfire and like a bunch. I guess y'all were there. Right? I, think, I think we were there. all there. Yeah, right. And, and I played uh, Green Eyes. Yeah, yes. I was going to say was Green it. Eyes a few <laughs> minutes so crazy. ago. Yeah. I was like, right. and all of us are just like, <laughs> we're like, don't, don't you freak don't him out. Sing more. <laughs> Wait, is that <laughs> when we played? Didn't we play um, the water park there? No, yes. that was, or was that? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We the, did. Okay, that's awesome. Oh, that was fun. That was so much fun. That is a good, was that water park called Hawaiian s- something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I remember it was essentially out in the middle of the desert, like right, next to a highway. Right, because we all crashed at your sister's, you know, ex-husband place, I yeah. think. Yeah. But that they had a stage next to a wave pool. Yes. <laughs> and so we were playing to the wave pool people. But and we had a bunch of friends came like, out, which was fun. Don't get shocked. Yeah, I remember that. That was, a, that was kind of fun, even though a majority, I would say, 80 to 90 percent of anyone that listened to us were all either directly related to us or our <laughs> friends but it was still fun to have like kind of a crew come out and support you know because yeah. they were obviously bored as hell right. so they would <laughs> they were like elmo's playing in weimar texas let's all go, let's go. it's only Everybody. a four-hour drive <laughs> a lot of people and they have up. a wave pool this sounds like a good time <laughs> that was a that was really that fun was that's a high point that was sure. a high point that was a good time. Uh, you know what I was, um, it, oh my goodness. Um, oh, the recording studio at AM. That was a really fun week or whatever with um, yeah. Josh Chan. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. Like all hours of the night. It was amazing. That was Do y'all fun. remember like doing the oohs and ahs and the, the oohs and ahs was, that um, was what we won. Yeah. From the oh, that, yeah, right, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Wait, that was so much fun. We have some videos yeah. somewhere who had their shirt on their head. Was it Aaron? <laughs> Where like laughing. Yeah. Where was hold on? Yeah. Where was that studio at? Oh, it might have been in like Brenham or something. It was Brenham, I think. That yeah. was awesome. Um We got like we won like twenty hours or something of free recording time and, and then I think we got like we ended up getting about three songs out of it. And then we, we did sheep's uh yeah, we did sheepskin and then we did You Always Said. Yes. We had already done You're Just Lost for Voting With Feeling Chan. in the program at A&M. Yeah. Okay. And then we did those two. Did we do... I think we just did those two. I, I don't... Because our EP is only five songs. Or that one EP was only five. So it was just those two. Yeah. Okay. That, that was, was fun. Yeah, that was good Good times. Um, I like... I yeah, want to... You tell us some memory. Well, Cecilia. I was... I would... I've got maybe a couple. But um, I, I have one of my faves. Makes me feel good about myself, but I wanted to. Um, we had we literally had a die. When you were pregnant the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was only like half the time. Okay, no, we, we were a band five, five years, years crazy person. Time with two children. I was pregnant one was with one child, and it was only for eight months because it came a month early. Thank you. I don't know why. I mainly just remember you being pregnant <laughs> with that base. <laughs> The bass basically laying flat, <laughs> like a like a steel gu- steel guitar. <laughs> that was basically it. No, um, I wanted to like shout out to um, our diehard fan John Dukes. He was like oh, the yeah. best. He came to I think almost every show. He always recorded, always took pictures and sent them to us. I I always appreciated that. He is awesome. I haven't seen him in years, yeah. but. Uh, he's on Facebook. He's a We're friends on Facebook. Okay, I'm like he's he's a great dude. Um, but he yeah he always was our inspiration man. It's like if nobody else showed up, 
John was going to be John there. was going to be there. So <laughs> he's awesome. Um, one of my favorites. Also, fun fun fact is that you don't realize in life, and we'll kind of get into this in a minute, but th- you know when things don't turn out how you think or whatever that might be. But um, so there were five members in the band: myself, Promise, Joe, um, our keyboardist Aaron Swink, and then my ex husband um, was our drummer. And so we, I'm trying to think. Aaron, I guess he, they were never roommates, but a friend of his would come. He came, I think, once, maybe twice to our show. Like fast forward, you know, 10 years later, something like that. I meet a girl when I was living in Midland, Texas, whose mother is great friends with a woman who's now um, my godmother that we call my godmother because God brought us together. Long story short my godmother's son was Aaron's close friend that would, you know, that went to church with Aaron Swink. Um, and then apparently came to one or two show of our shows. So oh, wow. it's like a very Is small that the LA guy. Well, yet one of the brothers. So he's oh, okay. actually out in Washington, DC, oh, okay. but yes, one of those brothers. Isn't That's that crazy. funny? Yeah. You know, of, and there, he's like, wait a second. Cause I found out he went to Texas A&M and I was like, where did you go to church out there? Cause you know, small world. And that's how I figured it out. You and he's like, probably gonna know him. Aaron Swink, he goes, we were almost roommates one semester. Like it was crazy. So anyway, that's kind of, you know, those funny little things uh, that happened, but nuts. Yeah. I was trying to think of like an actual memory. There's so, I mean, there are really so many and it was fun. You know, our last show, I guess, was um, the amphitheater or maybe that was like a reunion show. I can't remember, but we were doing it for a fundraiser. That was really fun um, being on that stage. That was um, definitely the biggest show we played. Yeah, it was pretty in awesome. In terms of attendance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Didn't dad play with us? We did the, like Randomly? our worship team did a oh. section for the fundraiser or something okay. like that, that we were, that my ex-husband and I were on at that time and dad played bass for that. Um, so that was awesome. And, uh, but I think, I guess like the funniest memory was when, for me was when we played Zapatos. Do y'all remember when Zapatos was on Northgate? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, they had the best trash can nachos anyway. Um, and I was, I was pregnant juice places now. Yes. Yeah. We played on that little patio or outdoor area. Um, I was pregnant, but you couldn't tell yet. And then, that guy was yelling out and saying, bass player's hot. And you're yes, like, I remember that. And she's, oh yeah, I said something. You go, no, no, no. This is the best part. He's like, the bass and player's she's hot. Pregnant. Yeah. But <laughs> first, but first you say, oh yeah, no, you did say pregnant first. And he, and the whole crowd's like, oh, and then she goes, and married to the drummer and the whole crowd like <laughs> yeah. just erupts you know <laughs> so that's a that was a great one. i forgot that was good that because was shows like that you could have 20 or 30 people there and it felt like you had a packed house i mean it was a packed house because it was such a small area you know um but it was it was fun so stuff like that <laughs> I, I did like playing northgate or little places like that so yeah we did um north by northwest Except what it was Northgate Music Festival. Northgate Music Festival. We played that two we years. Played some Battle of the Bands. The we first one was better. We I remember yes. we were in a tent and it was pretty full. That, there, that there was, was Fitz, Was that Fitzwillies? No, that it was just in like a parking lot. It was like in the it, parking lot. It was behind a parking Northgate. lot you have to pay for now. 
<clears throat> yeah, they just had a tent set up, and it was we, awesome. We were pretty much playing with all of the like local shredder I, screamo bands. I remember it now. Yeah, it was completely covered. Yes. Yeah, the second yeah. one was just like kind of open. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That first one was awesome, though. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But the second cool. one was like a huge stage, so and there was fun. about. 10 people out in the parking lot. Yeah. Cause we got a earlier slot too. I think it was like five o'clock or four o'clock, something like that. <laughs> that was like fun sweet. though. Like, but it was still, we were up, yeah. like on up on that high stage and it, you kind of felt cool. Yeah. Still great. Still, um, Oh, experience. but no, uh, one of the songs, like I just sounded so, uh, flat cause That's I couldn't hear right. myself. One of uh, your monitor. Clouds, I sounded absolutely awful because Everybody's someone like, was recording and I was like, I could not hear myself. <laughs> so that yeah. was embarrassing. Cause I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to singing. And so knowing that that happened, that was rough at that time. Yeah. We were like the warm up act for the sound guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, for I real. don't care. I, yeah. You couldn't. You hear know, what voice. is that about sound guys though? Their, their job is super important, but sometimes they can just be a-holes. Absolutely. And I don't, I wish. Sorry, sound men. <laughs> we love you because we need you, but. Um, I don't know what that is, and it's they it's probably get treated like crap, crap. by. Well, like they're, they're always very like technical type people, right? And so they kind of insist on like all the science of it. And, and if you question like, them, yeah, <laughs> we I, don't understand that. It doesn't go well, but yeah, I mean, we need them, but I don't. I know. remember when we played at the junction, and the sound <laughs> guy kept talking about dBs, which at the time <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even really right. know what they were. It's like a measurement of volume. Oh my god! And I was like, "You're a DB. Turn me up. <laughs> Turn me up." <laughs> hey, we played several times with Ian and what was his name's band? What was his um? Oh my gosh, long curly Matt. Yes, Matt and Ian's band. What was that? Do you remember? They were more like metal people, right? Weren't they metal? Sh- Shredder. Do you remember the name of the band? No. Oh come on, Joe. This is what you're supposed to be like. Remember, <laughs> it wasn't like poet, but it was something like. Oh man. I feel really bad. No, well, it was it was fun though. They were yeah. fun. We we hung out with them a few times after. You know, those were. I think a lot of times the we played a few shows together. We I think. did, and I think sometimes <laughs> some of the best conversations and best times were after the shows, hanging out with other bands. Oh, was it Jack in the Pulpit? Oh my gosh! And they all stayed at Swing's house, wasn't it? Right? And like we're in there, you know, and their like lead guard, guitarist is amazing, but then watching him try to play guitar hero was hilarious you know you're like this guy can shred and then he's like wait i have to punch buttons you know like it was awesome but was uh fun. those times were fun what what where did we play with them that they were in college station probably one of the festivals i would have i don't remember northgate music festival well they played in college station quite often like it was on their ro- rotation for yeah. sure but we also played with them in houston you remember that kind of weird little youth group like yeah building yeah that yeah. is like i that's ingrained in my brain joel was here oh that's right and another band uh, another really cool band played was there who was i it? can't remember it's like red airplanes or <gasps> it was something airplanes or yeah. something like that but i really liked their music i wish we still had all that information i bet the drummer still has it. The drummer of our band. I oh. bet he still has all that information. Because mm-hmm. I'm just curious because he wrote down every show we played. Yeah. He had like a notebook. So I don't need you to hunt that down after this episode. Uh, yeah, that won't be me. But maybe you, <laughs> you, you or, or Swink can get that info. Hey, I was wondering. <laughs> so on that note, on what that we note. really wanted to talk about on this episode is divorce. 
That scarlet letter. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone in the band was has been divorced except for Swink Nasty. Yeah. So five people, four divorces. Yeah, he's holding. Eighty percent divorce rate. Hold hold out, Swink. Get 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 therapy if you need it. Eighty. Eighty percent. We all are. We're uh. (laughs) Could be eighty-four. Cecilia is extra divorced. (laughs) Maybe ninety percent. We're very. Yeah, we might as well just do a hundred percent. Might feels as well, you know, five percent. We'll give. Yeah, yeah. I got. Yeah, not oh, a, yeah. not expected at the time when we were together. I don't no. think any of us would have imagined that outcome. No, and we all grew up, and as you know, I mean, kind of even the beginning of this podcast, and what Joe and I, you know, talk about a lot and have is the yeah expectation <laughs> was to. I don't think anyone gets married going well. If it doesn't work out, I'll get a divorce. Most people don't. Um, but when you're raised like we were, like it's supposed to be like you don't even, the word divorce doesn't come up, right? You don't right. have an option. You have to figure it out. Um, and then here we are, and we're all, we've all three been married and divorced. It feels so common now, mm. which it always kind of has been. But, um, but once you walk through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in the world that we were raised in, like you were saying, it's it's just it was so far removed from like anything you thought could ever happen. Yeah. Like very few people that we were all close to had been divorced or had divorced parents. It was like rare. Right. And if and they no, were, yeah. you were like, oh, right. None of parents none are divorced. Sorry. No, but none of our. Parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You felt kind of sorry for them. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was like they had told you that one of their parents died when they were like three. But right. it's like they're yeah, going back and forth, just living like a normal life. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it is it is kind of interesting that like kids kind of do think that way. Like as an adult, especially if, if you've already been through it and, right. you know, the ups and downs of a relationship or how things can take their twists and turns. Like as a kid, you don't really see it that way. You just think divorce is not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of a real tragedy, which yeah. it is. But. Yeah. I think it probably now that you say that it is kind of like every kid's worst fear. I think. <coughs> but maybe not. I think at least with the way we were yeah, raised it's up there. Mm-hmm. Well, I know even Jewel told me that you know, after we got divorced, she didn't want to talk about it at school cuz she didn't want people to know. But then she said when I finally did, I realized almost all the kids in my school had divorced parents or, you know, in her class or, you know, and she goes, I didn't know that many people had been through that. So it was really good to be able to have friends to talk about, um, that with. And so that was, but there is that feeling, you know, of either, like you said, as a kid going, Oh, their parents are divorced or, you know, for my kids, going oh okay i'm not alone you know if that makes sense but but it's kind of but it's it is the worst and i i don't ever want to walk through it again um not again not that anybody wants to but it makes me extra like i'm not going to sign a marriage license unless i'm willing to basically Never. Go to the grave. Go Mary. to the grave. Go to the grave, Mary. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Not not gonna settle or or do that because um it it really is about it, uh, it's devastating for 
and when you have kids, very devastating, but it's, it's devastating for, I think what I realized are the entire group of friends and people and family, especially when you've been married a long time, friends feel like they have to pick sides. That sucks, you know? And so there's so many broken relationships from one divorce. So I think that's what something that I learned that I didn't realize, even if you're in a bad marriage or there's this kind of, I've got to get out or whatever, but then you don't realize how many people are going to be hurt or broken by it. Yeah. So. Go ahead. Promise. You had something to say. (laughs) What also sucks is like losing, like when you get along really well with your ex's family. Yes. That is really sad. Like that's what was really hard for me is that there were quite a few people in his family that I really wanted to continue Mm -hmm. like being friends with, but it's just so, It doesn't work. It depends, but like in most cases, I would say it probably doesn't work. So that's hard. Yeah. Like I don't have kids though. So to me, that was more, I don't, I didn't have to deal with, you know, worrying about them Mm -hmm. and how it's going to affect them. It was more just how it affects me. But it's still painful. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think about it all the time. Like my ex-sister-in-law. I miss her so much. I she was was and still is one of my favorite people because she's always looked at the world so logically and she doesn't look at people or things with rose-colored glasses. I never once in all the years I knew her. And so, yeah, it's, you know, and and you I just try not to think about it cuz yeah. I cuz if I do then I get sad, so I just kind of don't. It's funny at my wedding she came up to me and she was like, like took me by the shoulders and she was like, don't let one single person like come between you and him. Cause she like knew she was, wow. cause she just knew kind of like the, I guess the atmosphere. You're talking what, about my ex sister-in-law. Yeah. Wow. She was like, just, you know, it's about y'all. It's not about anybody else. So I told right. you she's, I badass. took that to heart, but it, you know, obviously it didn't work out, but right. there were other, other factors. Yeah. yeah. Other factors. But yeah, that's the part. I mean, did you experience any of that yourself? Um, friends or family that you lost? I think that you more had. on the friends side, but I I wasn't really that close to her family. Uh, it, it felt like kind of an uphill battle to feel like I fit in with them or like, like I even really liked them. Oh, and okay. so by the time we got divorced, I wasn't feeling that that was going to be, you know, something I was going to have to deal with moving forward. It was kind of right. like... Oh, fortunately, I don't have to <laughs> do this anymore, to. which is something that I really think about a mm. lot now, like in the people that I've dated, like when I end up meeting their family, I'm very much thinking about what it's going to be like to hang out with those people. And let me, it affects how I think about the person that I'm dating. Yes. Let me say right now, people try to pretend like it's not if you marry them, you <laughs> are marrying their family like. Yes, you have a separate relationship, but that is their family. There are unspoken rules. It's a massive thing. And if you don't talk about that stuff before you get married, man, they can be deal breakers. It could be something as simple as every Christmas Eve, we go out and we sing carols and stand around the campfire and light candles. Yeah. But 
and there the your spouse's plan is to do that all year and the week before christmas rolls yeah, around every year and it's like your christmas doesn't matter and then all of a sudden <laughs> yes and you know whatever holiday or whatever thing exactly and so i think that's huge you got to talk about everything it feels so much more difficult though when you're uh, meeting people post divorce and dating because it's like it's kind of hard enough i think especially in uh, in the place of life that we're in and the age group that we're in like it just gets it's a difficult age statistically group. more difficult yeah. to meet like the type of person that you really want to be with uh, you know we're i don't like, i don't think anyone's like ideal candidate is someone that's been divorced and has kids you know <laughs> so unfortunately for us like we're getting to that age where that's kind of like more or less the pool that we're looking at and and i've always kind of thought like if you are about if you're in your you know, early thirties and you are dating somebody, this is very ironic, but I'm just going to skip over it. <laughs> if you're dating somebody that hasn't been married at that point, either they are just like a diamond in the rough and have really like held out for forever, <laughs> or there's some deep seated issues possibly. I think those might be the only two kind of there's outcomes. Some... Did you say you're going over this? <laughs> what? <laughs> are you not going to no, I'm this? just, I have a thought in the back of my mind about because I was now? thinking the same thing about, you know, when there's someone your age that hasn't been married, you're like, what's wrong with you? Yes. If they haven't <laughs> right. been married, don't have kids, not necessarily kids, but if they haven't been in a long term relationship or haven't been married, you're like, what do you do at night? That it doesn't, you know? <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't mean for sure that they have not. issues, but it, it is kind of raises some questions, I think. Oh, man, that's it's so true. And and. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but guys, look, maybe I should get off the dating apps. I'm not sure, but I meet, meet this guy, right? He's like dream guy. And the guy most definitely 100% has a foot fetish, 100%. And not just like, I don't care, like, you know, what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom, but... I was like, something, something was a little bit off. <laughs> Those will fall. You, you know, out and of you're like, you get this little <laughs> tingle, like this is a little, and then they're like telling you how to arch your feet and your legs to send a picture. By the way, I never sent a foot picture to this person, um, but, or calf foot picture, but I'm telling you, it gets deeper and deeper and you're like, what the hell have I stumbled into? <laughs> and you're like, this is why you're 32 and not married. No. <laughs> I, again, if everybody is yep. entitled to what they like, wild. what they like in the bedroom. But so for me, someone tells me they have a foot fetish. Every woman is walking around with sandals all, uh, on. So I'd be like, what's he into? <laughs> like, you know, like if we were together, I'd be like, he's like checking out these ladies' feet, which is whatever. P a lot of people have foot yeah. fetishes. But that would be on my mind. I'd be like, ooh. Better go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. So the other I, thing I, I was thinking about after you're divorced or like it, when you're mm -hmm. dating someone and getting to know their family, it feels more difficult because not only do you, like we're talking about, it's, it's difficult to find somebody that right. seems like is going to be a good partner for you. But then if you add the layer of like wanting to have a good vibe or relationship uh, with their family, right. it's like, you know, mathematically even more difficult to get those things to align, you know? Oh my God, it, it, it is. And it's, I, well, it hasn't happened for me yet. It's like, I don't know. There's a lot of, for me, like I'm pretty recently single. So 
I guess it's only been like three months or something, but I'm just like so, and we've had this conversation, but I'm like so apprehensive. I was telling Cecilia today, I was like, just the thought of like holding someone's hand right now. I'm just like, like I just, like if this guy reaches for my fingers, for my fingers, (laughs) but it's just like, I don't know because I'm so apprehensive and like, I'm not afraid, but I'm just like, just the idea of having to like get to know someone and wonder if they're a freaking weirdo Mm -hmm. get to know their family like all of that just sounds absolutely awful Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean it'll it hopefully what might change eventually but well i've been on bumble and looking at stuff and i talked to like one dude and i was like "Mm -hmm, not he wanted to like go get lunch and i was like i ghosted him but oh well (laughs) well ghosted (laughs) what i i yeah, the struggle is so real because I will say, so after my last long-term relationship, which was ended about two and a half years ago, I'm telling you, it is overwhelming to have to think about getting to know someone well enough to know whether you want to marry them or not, or be with them, have a long-term relationship with them. Um, it's a very daunting thing, and sometimes you're like, hmm. I get to figure, I get to decide when I go to bed. I get to decide yeah. when I wake up. I get to decide what I want to watch on TV tonight. So there's a lot of things to balance. So I definitely about being sure that you're sure and definitely don't settle because, and pay attention to little things, you know, and I, this is not a, I pay too much attention to little things. Okay. Well, I, and this is not a, this is us having a conversation, yeah. but things we've learned, you know, it's like, okay. And, and a lot of people won't agree with me on this, and that's okay. I'm 95% sure that I will not marry someone I haven't lived with. Um, maybe because I have children, I might wait till I'm engaged. Um, maybe I won't be with anybody while I still have children in my home. Um, but I can't... I've had enough weird experiences that I'm like... I mean, I gotta know whether, like, every time you brush your teeth... It, if you gag, you know what I'm saying? And that's the little things. Like, do you gag I every think time? most men gag when they brush their teeth. Right. Though. And we or t- their tongue. Yeah. And let's talk about this promise. We've had this conversation. <laughs> of why? Of why. The reason it is, this is my theory, is that women don't do it because we're used to having things down our throat. <laughs> and only very... Very few men. Most, yeah, the majority of men like aren't used to. This but that's is my a theory. major plot twist. <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> I don't gag, by the way, when I brush my teeth. Oh, okay, glad to know that. So if does that girl make comes- me a unicorn in the? <laughs> yes, man world? actually, pretty close, pretty, pretty <laughs> damn close. Because most guys I know um, do, and it just annoys the crap out of me. It's that's like a funny. You could ask them if they gag when they brush their teeth. Mm-hmm. But and actually, there's way more important things than knowing whether they gag or not. But there's things like I, I remember one guy that I went out with for a very short time. It's like he freaking got up at 5 a.m. And if he got up at 5 a.m. and went and did his own business, that would have been totally fine with me. But it's like he would like want to get up at 5 a.m. and open the curtains and uh, and start talking. I'm like, yeah. shut the up like that's just rude don't open the curtains i need a little more time i don't want to hear you talking to me like give me a minute and that's funny uh because i i wouldn't mind that i had a um so my i guess my first 
well, it wasn't my first. It was my second. I wouldn't call it a long-term relationship, but I was dating her for four months. But it, it went. Mm-hmm. So after I got divorced, I had one girlfriend for a year and then mm-hmm. one for four months. Okay. And um, we essentially started living together within like two weeks of like dating. It went it went straight wow. to the top. That's just kind of my personality. But she used to come in to uh, she she worked in the industry. So she was a, a waitress and mm. she would come home at like, uh, you know, like two in the morning or something mm. after she got off work. And she would just like turn on the lights and like oh jump in gosh. bed and start talking to me. And you're like, and sometimes it irritated me. But um, most of the time, like I didn't mind it. Yeah. So. But that was at night. Personal 2 preferences, I guess. Yeah. Well, I just would make fun of her and like point out how ridiculous it was that she thought it was like a normal thing to do. But <laughs> it didn't. It didn't like deeply bother me. But that that was also in a time frame of like if if we were together for two years and she was still doing something like that, probably you know bother you. Yeah. Well, and my thing was more like. I love like, I mean, I probably most people like, sure. I love a great little cuddle session, right? When you (laughs) kind of wake up or before you get up, but don't freaking open the blinds and let the sunlight in yet. Give me a couple minutes. You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing. But, but it was, um, the disregard, this person disregarded my feelings or cares. And it wasn't like, Hey, can we talk about this or how would you feel like if we started getting up early and you know just jumping out of bed and going with our day and and I think that's something that you you know you learn over time and experience it's like you want somebody um that respects your feelings as much as you respect Mm -hmm. theirs you know so but um so I have a thought and it's that I think statistically it's proven that the second marriages are way less likely to last if you're in your second marriage, like you are statistically more likely to get divorced by a factor of like, you're like, I have heard something similar. It's like, it's a pretty high number. It's not okay. First marriages, you have like a 50% chance of success. Second marriages, you have like, I think it's like a 25% chance of success, something like that. And I, That's I why I'm afraid. <laughs> But I feel like exactly I feel point. like it's it's kind of bec- it's basically because people are a lot more picky about what they're looking for and they're not so optimistic. And and so if you get into something like there's always going to be certain things that we're dealing with. And we're just I think because we have the fear of getting divorced yeah. is lower because if you haven't been divorced, you're yeah. you're just kind of thinking of like how to work it out. But if you've already been divorced and you kind of know what what it's going to feel like or whatever, you might, you're probably more inclined to pull the plug on something if it's not going a certain way within a period of time, you know? That makes complete sense. And and to be honest, I, I mean, it makes me feel better about my choice to have not, like, rushed into anything or settled for anything. Like, I like knowing in your heart of hearts, even though, you know, I dated one guy for five years almost and or right at five years and, you know, but we didn't get married. And, you know, I'm thankful in one aspect because as much as I loved him, I know there were things that probably in the end would have been our, you know, demise or whatever you want to call it. And I think I mean, I've been divorced almost eight years now. My marriage was 10. So, yeah, y'all, 
I would be married if I was still married 18 years this year. Yeah, you got 18. started young. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, too young. <laughs> so do y'all want to go and kind of each outline like what happened specifically in our uh, in each of our marriages, like what went down and led to it? Sure. Led to the divorce? Yeah, sounds Ooh. good. <laughs> we keep it light. The I can start. I can light. start off. The names have been changed to protect the guilty, as we always say. Let's see if we can keep it to like Tricky five minutes or something, or each, less. Yes, which yes. is a lot I'll keep to mine pack quick. in. Mm-hmm. So I met uh, my ex-wife in college at A and M, and we went uh, through the architecture program together. And I didn't date her the whole time we were in college because she had other boyfriends, hmm. but. Um, towards the end of school. It was like the last semester of my senior year, I started getting really attracted to her. And then we had like a short fling, I think like right before the senior semester happened or at some point during the, the last semester. And then I um, I pulled the plug on it because she was not a Christian at the time. And I didn't... You know, I, I just was raised kind of like y'all were, where if some, if, you know, the person that you were dating basically had to have the exact same values as you. And so I was, I was just like, well, this is not going to work, unfortunately. Um, but we, we ended up like after I graduated that summer, I, I just kind of gave up basically on trying to keep my life looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started uh, we started dating and it was, you know, a pretty kind of passionate start, but looking, looking back, um, I definitely like had no doubt that I, I wanted to be with her. I remember writing down a list of like other girlfriends that I had had and just kind of comparing and looking at like pros and cons of like different people, I guess. And, and I remember thinking like, pretty much everything about her was what I was looking for in a person. And, you know, in hindsight, she had a, she did have a lot of great characteristics. Um, she was very, you know, compassionate and kind of, she had, she had a kindness to her, uh, towards just like underdogs and those kind of people. And Mm. I, I always, I guess, appreciated that. But, um, you know, really looking back at the onset of our relationship, um, it's crazy how many arguments we got into. I mean, it was like, did y'all get into arguments before you got married or after? Oh yeah. I, I mean from the, Oh, before from the whole, it was oh. the whole time. I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, within the first, you know, two weeks or something of us coming together and starting to date, it was like, we would get into these kind of crazy arguments and, I, I don't know. It was so foreign to me because I never had that experience in a relationship before. I had been in like two relationships and I had never really gotten into any kind of arguments with mm. them. And um, this was from the very beginning, you know. And so now I look at that and I go, oh, that was like such a huge a red clear, flag. clear sign. But at the time I was just kind of, I was so uh, into her and, you know, I guess infatuated that I just, I mean, I, I loved her like pretty quickly, like, Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't feel like an out in my mind. It was just kind of like, she's the person for me and I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with all of this stuff, 
which was wow. pretty foolish. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people who are getting married, especially um, especially in the Christian world, pretty conservative world, they're, they're so motivated to uh, get married because they want to have sex and they're trying to save themselves for marriage that they tend to overlook things, you know. And we weren't... We weren't, you know, dotting our I's and crossing our T's in that world, but we were kind of trying to. Right. Um, but uh, she ended up, so I went off to grad school after we uh, graduated the, the fall after we graduated. So her and I had like a summer together and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't clear like we were definitely going to stay together and we weren't at that point um, that quickly. So. I moved to Hawaii, went to school. She um, she was wherever, she was in Dallas or something in the internship, and she was kind of aimless in life, basically. And I, I essentially invited her to come out to Hawaii. And um, so she ended up moving out to Hawaii. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, and I, I genuinely did think this at the time, that she would, she would come out to Hawaii and start going to my church and that she would have kind of a conversion experience, mm -hmm. which she ended up doing, you know, right. she came out and got involved in like the small group that I was going to and, and became pretty much ingrained into the community, like right away. And I, so essentially when she became a Christian, um, I immediately was just like green light, you know, let's do this <laughs> pretty much. Oh, yeah. Goodness. And, um, and so it was, it was basically off to the races and, um, that was, that was at the tail end of my first semester in Hawaii. Okay. And, um, I was, I was actually going through like a lot of kind of depression and anxiety towards the, the end of my time at A&M. Okay. I was trying to be such like a goody goody and not do the wrong thing that it was just all like piling mm. up and I just you know, I, it was, it was a dark time for sure. And that was kind of happening when I went to Hawaii too. It was just wow. like all school and work and then no play. Yeah, no play. And I was kind of still feeling that when I was in Hawaii. So I really, you know, I was having a lot of struggles with faith and stuff. And I ended up, uh, I ended up really wanting to take some time off of school, like even after that first semester in Hawaii uh, plus it was really expensive. So I wanted to take off and, and I wanted to just work in Hawaii and get in-state tuition so I could go back. Um, we both went back to Texas cause we were going to just have like Christmas break and see family. And, uh, I ended up getting arrested for a bench warrant that I had because I had a speeding ticket that I didn't Oh, that's pay. right. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. So, um, that was super dumb. And, uh, it, it basically derailed my plans for like a year. And mm. so this is, this is basically like the foundation of me getting into this serious relationship was me at like a pretty terrible mm. low place in life. Um, and so I ended up staying in Texas for like a whole year when it was basically just going to be like a, like a two week visit to right. Texas to see family. And, um, so that, that was kind of the beginning of our, like really moving towards marriage. And, um, I think similarly, she wasn't really in a great place of life. She had like a pretty gnarly summer 
before, like relationship wise, um, as she had kind of described to me, it was kind of a traumatic summer for her. And, um, so it was, you know, it was definitely not a great time. Um, but I just knew that I wanted to marry her. So like we were just going for it and, um, ended up getting engaged and, uh, she got pregnant like a month or two into the engagement. And uh, that was, you know, pretty shameful for me. I remember like at when I look at my wedding day, it was not a great day. Like, unfortunately, I remember being pretty anxious and um, I was just feeling, I think, embarrassed and like kind of ashamed of like what had happened um, because we weren't announcing it and we were kind of trying to keep it on the DL. And, uh, but I mean, by the time we got married, like, like I said, the whole, the whole time we were engaged in dating, it was like pretty brutal arguments. Like we were, we were getting into it like all the time. And, um, so by the time we got married, it was, um, it was, I mean, right out of the gate, like our, our honeymoon, we went to Colorado and I mean, we were, we were arguing like quite a bit. Um, and a lot of it had to do with sex. Mm -hmm. I think I had a different expectation about that. And were um, you given a different expectation before marriage? Yeah. Like that you thought it was going to be one thing and then. Yeah. Cause you know, she had, she had basically described to me when we were dating that like sexuality was a huge part of who she was basically that she was really into sex, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and then we got married and I, I was under the impression as I was my whole life that when you get married, it's kind of like, Oh, finally, like we get to do do it as as much much as as we can. (laughs) And it was not like that at all. Mm. And so, um, that, I mean, that pretty much, I'm realizing this is almost impossible to do in five minutes. We're good. I think I'm good. Are you good? (laughs) Um, so that, that really, in my mind, that kind of characterized like most of our marriage was me being, um, frustrated about sex and the lack thereof. And, um, we, we ended up, so we ended up moving to back to Hawaii cause we wanted to be involved in this church that we were in before and, and I was going to go finish grad school. Right. And so we got out there and, um, it was, I don't know. It was, um, there were good periods for sure. Like it wasn't all bad, right. but I think when we moved to Hawaii, um, we were both definitely on board with it. Like we had talked about it and, we wanted to, we wanted to do this. Um, but, um, I just, it was too, it was like way too much. Like Mm -hmm. she, we had just gotten married. Um, she was pregnant. We were moving to another state. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah. And I was starting a new job in architecture. It was like the first architecture firm I had worked for. Wow. Um, We decided to live in a community house that was connected to the church where basically there was like. I never comprehend that. Not you, but people that do that. Yeah. So there was, I mean, there was about 15 people living on this property. 
and um, they, you know, we were trying to help out homeless people and drug addicts and all that. So there was very nefarious characters mm. coming around like wow. frequently, and um, so, I mean, all of that within a I don't know three or four month period of time. Like, Man. so I, I mean. Looking back, I don't know anyone that could really right. weather something like that unless you were already like had a really solid relationship or marriage. Mm-hmm. I feel like if sex was an issue, then you move into a house with 15 <laughs> other people. <laughs> like it's going to be way more of an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that sucks. Well, I mean, it wasn't like we didn't have the opportunity to. I mean, yeah. whatever. We had our own space, but um, it was just. Yeah, it was a lot. Mm. so um things things basically took a turn for the worse after i think we'd probably been in hawaii for maybe like a uh, a year or something and things were just slowly escalating in our in our relationship and the types of arguments that we were having and then they started getting physical Mm -hmm. after a period of time yeah and um unfortunately that continued for a while and Kind of the straw that broke the camel's back or? Yeah, I mean, that obviously changed the dynamic of, of things between us. I would think looking back, though, and you kind of, I think, kind of hit on it, but looking back, there were a lot of signs that probably y'all just weren't a good fit from the beginning with all the arguing, different things, say religious wise, she had just become a Christian, you'd been raised from in that religion or that faith since you were little. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if it was whether or not we are a good fit, but I think it was more to do with like where we are at in our lives personally. Right. Um, with what you each experienced. Yeah. Well, I, we're just where we were at maturity wise and with our own personal growth and everything. Like she, she had some pretty glaring issues that she told me about Um, and I just didn't really pay that much attention to it. I was just kind of being an optimist and I I know that had, I know that I had my own personal issues too, just because of basically like how I was raised and everything Mm -hmm. that had happened growing up. Um, and you know, I I think it, it could have worked out if we had each worked on ourselves personally a lot more, um, but, you know, I don't think either of us really knew how to see those things at the time. Right. And just being an observer or someone that's listening, even to you share, um, I think it shows the importance, even to somebody like me, you know, who've also been through a divorce, importance of making sure that you take care of yourself and that you're healthy and that your mind, you know, your spirit, all of that is in a very healthy place um, yeah. before you take on coming one with someone or sharing a life with someone, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just my thought. Yeah. So, um, you know, and when it, when it comes to the physical stuff, um, this is something that's still hard for me to talk about because, um, any, any kind of domestic violence in a relationship Mm -hmm. I've, the 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 stigma or the like knee jerk reaction I think for anyone hearing about it is that like oh like yeah. uh, he was just beating his wife and that's right. like the only thing that was happening and it wasn't that 
It's not black and white. Yeah, it's not black and white. Um, it was going both ways. Right. But it was not in any way like I come home and I'm angry about something and now <laughs> I'm punching my wife right. in the face. You of know, course. It, but like, that's it what people with, automatically like, think. It starts with like getting in an argument and then... Um, you know, Escalation. somebody grabs an arm or something <laughs> like that, you know, and like, I, I'm not going to try and make any excuses or anything about domestic violence, no. but there's such a huge range of Spectrum. what, yeah, what, what happens. And unfortunately it's a lot more common than what, um, yes, it is unfortunately. anyone realizes. And it's very common going both ways for men mm-hmm. and women. Yes. But the other unfortunate thing is that nobody really gives a shit about uh, <laughs> asking what the woman does. So no, they pretty don't. much if there's any kind of domestic violence, men um, definitely get the short end of the stick on all things concerning that. Um, but I understand in history, you know, there's been some severe things that have happened to women. and it, But I think there's just kind of an overcompensation for it. Um Anyways, and one thing I wanted to say about that is um, I have thought quite a bit about how all that came about in our relationship. And I know that I never learned the skills that I needed growing up to deal with like pretty severe conflicts. Mm -hmm. So that was one. I I didn't have the tools to stay calm in these kind of uh, situations, I guess, nor did she. And so, you know, it it was just a super toxic relationship. Recipe for disaster. You know what I'm saying? And, and being in a band with you for all those years, you're, you're a pretty laid back guy, maybe not at home, but I, I felt like everybody in the family, we knew your family pretty well, thought of you as pretty laid back most of the time. Very few, like, extreme responses or anything and you're always kind of easygoing and when you kind of put your foot down on something even in the band it was we were like okay like we know you know when you actually stand up but you know about something or for something or wanting to do something different we knew okay this is joe's point you know yeah we never saw i would never in my wildest dreams even thought that there could be extreme anger in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a, I mean it in a, it wouldn't be, that's not who you are, you know? Right. I think there was some delayed stuff from growing up that kind of came to the surface, but, um, you know, nobody, nobody was getting like, well, I'm not going to get into all the details, you know, there, there was, it wasn't as bad as people would immediately assume basically, but it wasn't great. So, I had to take responsibility for my actions and I, I went through therapy. I had to take classes, things like that, um, which we both should have done, but because of how the world works, we didn't, uh, it was just me. And I'm actually personally thankful that all that happened because I think that I really did learn a lot about myself and, and my life has been so much better since then because I just, there, you know, there were some things that I needed to really look at about myself that I learned and got through. And now I'm, um, I just, I think I know myself a lot better and I'm able to kind of spot things in, in relationships. Um, and it's, it, I think really helped me navigate relationships after the fact, because I'm just hypersensitive and I'm not, 
overly judgmental of people, but I'm like a red flag finder. You know, mm-hmm. I um, just can spot tendencies and, and stuff. And I know that everyone has things that they're always going to have to be working through, like no matter how much work you put into yourself. But the number one thing I think that I would say was a takeaway out of my marriage was if you can't find somebody that takes personal responsibility for basically everything in their life, like it's going to be a really bad time. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. And you're not going to be able to work through any, any problems. And ultimately that's how I felt like the relationship went. I was, I, I feel that I took a, a lot of responsibility for myself in things that I did wrong. And I would apologize. I never felt like that ever happened um, on her end, even going into counseling and everything like it just never really happened. And so um, that, that created a bad dynamic for me because obviously you, you kind of feel like you're not being heard if you know something's going wrong and that person is not really taking responsibility for it. There's almost no way you can work through something. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we ended up separating for um, maybe six months after one of these initial, uh, a- after things got to a certain point. Right. And after that, we get, we got back together, and things were things were pretty great for maybe like six months to a year. And um, I I just remember we had some financial issues that came up because I was. I was like working two jobs at the time. Um, and how old was your son at this time? Yeah, Liam was probably a year and a half at this okay. point. He's little. Yeah. Um, and I was I was working two jobs. Number one, because we were in Hawaii. Um, number two, because almost nobody in Hawaii lives off of a single uh, right. stream of income. Unless you are like an anesthesiologist or a lawyer, and mm-hmm. even like in lawyer families, like they're both still working. Right. Yeah. So I was under a huge amount of stress, um, and and you know she also kind of insisted on a certain, I guess, lifestyle that I was right. not able to produce, even mm-hmm. working two jobs. Right. And granted, looking back, we still had a decent like existence but I was working my ass off to kind of make that possible happen yeah and um you know I remember I switched over to being a salaried employee instead of you know bottom line is I started making less money and so we didn't have enough to pay for like a babysitter to do date nights and things just got really tight again and it was exactly at that time within like a week or two period things just went downhill and Mm. it was just a, it was a steady decline all the way till, you know, um, she ended up taking, Mm. um, taking Liam to Texas Mm -hmm. and I was not really paying attention to what was happening. I was just thinking that we were separating again and taking some time to kind of re-examine and we would come back together and, um, she never, you know, she never came back. And as soon as she got, as soon as she reached a certain period of time of being in Texas, she filed for divorce. Mm. And that's when, you know, everything started. Hit the um, fan, you realized what was happening. Yeah. Um, or there so, was like this like, hello moment. <laughs> like, oh crap. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I honestly didn't really, I guess I was too, um, what's the word? 
I was too naive to really think it was going to get to that point. But, I mean, it was pretty obvious that's what was going to happen. And, you know, after that happened, it was like, I don't know, two years, two, two and a half years of wow. like a pretty brutal uh, custody battle and divorce. I can't believe it. And really kind of still going through it and dealing with it because, um, yeah, I'm living in Texas and haven't seen my son since I've moved back for like four months. Mm. So like you said, I think, and we've had this conversation off the podcast before though. Um, our justice system isn't always necessarily just. And, uh, I think it comes down to, as I will always say and have continued to say, um, it comes down to how much money you make or how much money you have to spend on a case and uh, whose attorney can find the best loophole. That's my opinion. Anyhow, yeah. it's not really about justice being served or what's right for the children. Um, Cause people continue to fight and argue and do what's not best for the kids over and over. In, right. in my experience, it's also an uphill battle for men. <laughs> I mean, for dads, it's yes, you, you basically start at either zero or negative. Mm. It's kind of assumed that the mom's going to get the kid and the dad. It's essentially a, a father having to fight his way to like a even split mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. So it's been pretty heartbreaking, pretty difficult. I mean, ironically, the last like two, three years of my life have been really great. Mm -hmm. I'm still dealing with divorce and custody battle and all that, but I just found, you know, from all the growth and things that I had to go through, like coming, coming out of that, I realized number one, I got into, you know, a year relationship, um, mm -hmm. after, after I got divorced and, um, or after that relationship, I wasn't fully divorced, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I've been in two or three relationships since then mm -hmm. and never had any of the issues right. that we had. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's 100% her fault, but, you know, everything that was basically projected on me mm -hmm. and that, that she thought about me, for me, it was a big relief because I was questioning myself, you know, coming, mm -hmm. out, of, coming out of that because especially going through the court process, it's mm -hmm. like pretty much... Going through a custody battle and divorce with some of the things that we had going on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's essentially like every second is the other side telling you like you're a piece of trash. Yep. And, and so um, getting into those relationships after the fact and it being like a totally healthy relationship, not, not even really having a lot of arguments or anything. Right. I was like, oh it, my God. It's like, almost like shocking. Or did you ever feel like, is this, I kind of wonder, and we, my sister and I have talked about this before. It's like, you're so, ad, you become addicted to drama. Not that you really are, not that you like it or enjoy it, but you're so used to that being the norm Yeah. that when you actually experience what the normal should be, it's almost like, I don't know. It was, a, for me, anytime I've been or had someone, uh, potential dating, you know, relationship, partner, that's healthy it's kind of like oh yeah can, can it be this easy <laughs> yeah it was a it was a shock for sure um so yeah that's that's my uh experience in a nutshell 
That's a pretty large nut. <laughs> Walnut. Yeah, it's, it's a big nut. Brazil nut. <laughs> so much for the five minutes. Okay, well, no, it's we good. No, it's great. And I think that, of course, though our stories are different, you know, it's that it's that unexpected and you're going, uh, this wasn't in the plans, Ugh. you know? So, yeah. promise, would you like to share a little of your well, yeah, experience? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, and you know, I mean, of course... This is our podcast. We're going to share what we feel comfortable sharing. Um, and of course, I understand we want to protect uh, everybody, but yeah. only feel what you only share what you feel comfortable with. Um, but what you think might be potentially helpful to, you know, others in being able to relate with you or that kind of thing or, you know, what you felt towards what Joe had to say, those kind of things. I'm like, my heart is actually pounding. Aww. <laughs> mm. um, it's okay. If I you mean, y'all, it's okay y'all if you cry. both kind of like, I don't know so much. If, like, you know, like the full story, but no, I'm not going to cry. Okay. I'm, it's okay if you do. I try not. I'll try not to. Um, A few tears have been shed in this room. It's your podcast. It's our podcast. You can cry if you want to. Yes. <laughs> can we call that the name of this one? That? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> cry if you want um, to. Okay. So I guess so like how we met. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we met, I think it was like May of 09 Mm. and you, he, my ex-husband was working with my sister and he like ended up coming to uh, our home church. I remember the moment, like when I, the moment I first saw him. Did the first time you meet him was at home church or was it um, when you were playing music at a local restaurant? I don't know. Because remember, you used to play um, with Seth, I think. At No. Okay, that was after. after. Okay, I couldn't <laughs> remember because he did come to the church, but I yeah, didn't I remember know. that too. Okay. I, it's also vivid. Um, so he came to a home church with... My sister? Uh, me i'm your sister but he, <laughs> okay, i'll shut up so if you invited a few people from mm-hmm. your job your old job to come to the home church because they were i guess interested they were yeah in like god yeah and so i just remember like i was in can we we can't say names but like it was at, you can say what you need to say and if we need to edit something well it was at ryan and karen's house and mm-hmm. like, um, I was in the, one of the kids' rooms, just playing with like all the kids, and the door was open. It was Aaron and Andrew's old room. <laughs> but I was like in there, and I, it was weird. This is what like it, looking back, it's like so creep, not creepy, but it's just strange. But so I was in there like playing with all the kids because I usually like play with kids; they're more fun. And I like looked out the door, the bedroom door, and like it was like standing like in the sorry he was standing in the dining room and just like it was like laser eyes at me it, i was in i just I, that's why it sticks out in my head i was like who is this dude like why is he staring at me like that but you know he was handsome he was like Very six tall. three yeah. had played football like at unt and like I just thought it was like f- kind of funny. Like I was to me, I was like, eh, this guy, like, I don't know who <laughs> you are, but he like, I guess he likes me. But, um, yeah, so we met that way. And then he did come, like, I think it was like almost the next day or like that week he came to, um, the Republic. 
Yes, because he immediately was asking me about you. Yeah. Tall, <laughs> 5'10", blue eyes, dark hair. Very fit at the time. Yes. <laughs> he was, yeah, very into you. Um, But yeah, so he like came there and like watched me watched us perform or whatever and i i really don't remember how we started talking it was just kind of like he just started like talking to me like all the time and i guess he he probably got he had to have got my phone number or something and we yeah. started like hanging out oh i remember he got he found out coldplay was my favorite band and he got tickets. That's right. I totally forgot and I was like, about oh, this. I don't want to go with this guy, but he got me Coldplay tickets. So I was like, I've got to go. <laughs> so, um, that's right. I, I really I had like, a, it that. was like a, I, there was an aversion in me. Like I was like, I'm not even, I don't really, I'm not really into this dude, Yeah. but it was just like, he was like coming after me. It was like that, like pursuing like when you hear people talk about it, like at, he was like really pursuing me. And Which women love, right? <laughs> well, I think yes. it's kind of like the psychological side of it as like I was like always really fat growing up. I didn't get a lot of attention from boys ever. And so for this dude who's like good looking, yeah, he, he's, you know, comes from a family who's pretty well off. Like he's showing me attention. It kind of like he had life goals. It doesn't go to your head. But for me, it was like, oh, sweet. You know, I'm 22 at the time where we come from. That's like old if you're single, you know, and I was just kind of like old maid. Yeah, I just kind of got <laughs> wrapped up into that, I guess. Um and he was, you know, talking the talk because he knew how to, like, say exactly what anybody need, wanted to hear to get them to do what he wanted. Mm. And so he was, like, saying that he's, like, you know, grew up really Christian and w wanted to get closer to the Lord. So I'm like, oh, I can help, like, bring him closer to God. Sounds like someone Ugh. else I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's kind of where that went. But I just remember... Ugh, like so you had a had an aversion re really had an aversion yeah i i he was like i don't know like i just always had this idea of like you know with my first boyfriend like i thought i was gonna like marry him because we like made out <laughs> like that's how i thought uh, that's funny and so that's, that's a good kind of um baseline to lay i think for these conversations oh, is this is good all three of us did not come from a uh, family or an environment that really um, condoned really dating a Regular lot. It was dating. more about courting and, you yeah. know. Yeah, let and alone like kissing. Touching. Yeah, not touching. If you held hands, my God. Yeah. You know, so if you kissed, I mean, yeah, you better like order the dress and. So that's where I was mentally. Like that's, you know, if it wasn't for my ex-boyfriend having broken up with me, I would have stayed with him because it's mm. just like. I don't know what that mindset is. But it's a really sad one. Um, but then so he, the, you know, my ex-husband comes along and um, I remember we like went to Lake Conroe and like we're eating at a place like on the lake. Mm -hmm. And oh, it's just so I awkward. This. But like, I can't remember. There was like a Taylor Swift song on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Taylor it was. No, it was the <laughs> one where it's like um, you were. That he's like working at a restaurant yeah. and like talks about it in the song and yeah. like we're like by the water and 
<laughs> the first time well, you kissed me. We're sitting like out on like a dock, like and there's the you know like that song is like playing, and so like we like start making out, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting married. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Wait, not really. What? No, not really. But like, if that moment hadn't happened, I don't think that we would have ever gotten married. But I just, I don't know. Like that's kind of like how we met and how everything started, but. It's weird because I think I got like so defensive of him because everyone we knew was like, this is, I, there's like a side of him that I'm not too comfortable with people that you worked with who knew him. Mm Y'all are, y'all were like, Hmm, I don't know if this is like the best person for you to be with. And what can I, but unlike, unlike Joe, if I remember right, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's kind of important thing to note Help me is, he you and him y'all did not fight a lot before you got married correct yeah whereas I don't remember a lot of fighting said that they did so it's not you know it's i mean you gotta learn to gauge those things i think that's a red flag of course but it's going okay what would other red flags be if you know and again this is not like a a podcast about us teaching anything we're sharing our experience but how the same right. same response the same can happen metric for everything right yeah. yeah that's what i'm trying to say exactly Thanks. i think a big thing i should have realized too is like i won't go into too much detail but basically he you know ended up having to go to a different college because of his actions at a different another uh, college and i should have been really when he wow. told me that story i should have been more like aware that that's not normal at all and there was a lot of like white lies constantly like for no that reason stuff that like didn't yeah like in my example is like when we would go to visit his parents they would at, like call and be like hey you know how close are you and then we'd be like 20 miles away and he would tell them five mm. and i'm like you know they're gonna realize when we're not there in like 10 minutes that we're not five miles away we're 20 miles away little things like that is almost like um what were you gonna say this is just creeping me out because I kind of skipped this part of my story, but not <laughs> not to cut in, but that was what my ex-wife did too. I didn't know that she did that, but she kind of confessed it to me when we were like going through premarital counseling. She basically said she was like a compulsive liar and she just lied for no reason. And yeah, when she told me when that you didn't have to, right? When, yeah. When, when she told me that she like had like a breakdown, like it was like really weighing on her that she had been doing that for her whole, her whole life and never really talked about it. So it's yeah. just interesting that those two dynamics are basically exactly the same. Yeah, that is weird. But yeah, wow. it, that's what I was, I was trying to think of the word, but it was like he was a compulsive liar. It was like he absolutely couldn't help just lying about the weirdest stuff. And it made me weird. It weirded me out because we, the way we grew up, <laughs> we did you not lie, lie about anything. Like, you would get your ass beat. And not even just that. Like it, you... I mean, we I didn't lie. I, but. Maybe it's, it might be personality, but I would deal with so much guilt mm. and like shame if I lied oh, about yeah. even the tiniest thing. So that was a red flag for sure. And then just the his like worship of wealth and like material stuff that should have been a, a big red mm. flag. But it's like when you come from basically a pretty poor family and he's buying you like nice purses and then like your first birthday together, he gets you a freaking brand new Jetta. Oh, yeah. Right. You kind of, yeah. It's hard to 
figure out like what's right or what's wrong in that. But at the time, did you perceive that as like a weird manipulative thing or was it just like, oh, this is really romantic and this guy's... Well, looking back, no, I didn't, but it definitely was because remember my car? It was the blue Chevy. Yep, Cavalier. So like in retrospect, I realized that the only reason that car was bought for me is because he had an image in his mind of like what his life needed to look like and he didn't want his girlfriend... Soon to be fiance because at this time he I didn't know it but he had already like bought a ring and stuff. And so this, he ladies did, and gentlemen, have what? And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call prepping for your trophy wife. Yeah, I'm not calling him out. A lot of men do it, but it's it's exactly what it is. You yeah. want you want the image, even if you don't want to be married. There are certain people that will get married. Uh, because to. of the image or the if you want to move up in politics or you want to move up in a business, um, it, you have to have this look. It's the, the, the man, the wife or the, the spouses and the, the children or what the house, the yeah. white picket fence or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's definitely what it was. And I think. Um, so, yeah, then, you know, that happens. And um, like. Like we were saying, I don't remember a bunch of fighting, but I just remember like I'm a I'm a pretty if someone's got a pretty strong personality, I'm pretty timid. Like I'm not going to till you cross I'm, her. Uh, yeah, until you, I've been like smothered by, by you, then it all hell breaks loose. Can I ask you one question before I forget? Yeah. So um, I was I was wondering, sorry to backtrack, but I was wondering about um, the physical stuff the make out at the dock with Taylor Swift going, (laughs) um, how much of a influence did that have on how you kind of saw things or how you felt about being in the relationship? Because this sounds familiar in the fact that you had limited experience physically. And so that, um, can be kind of a polarizing experience. Well, for me, I felt like I had crossed a line and that like, it's weird. Like I felt like I had to would needed to marry him. I'm like shaking. <laughs> but did you feel more not not just out of guilt, but more connected and drawn into him? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically, like physical connections really powerful if you have limited yeah. experience yes. with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I agree. yeah. Because when you know at 22, I was basically like a 14 year old when it came to mm-hmm. that type of stuff. You know, I and when. It's just weird. It's like very late bloomer, even though you're like freaking you would have my child. If I'd gone to college, I would have been graduated and been like in the corporate world. Right. But at that time, like my <laughs> first girlfriend, we uh, we love to make out. That was the m- most fun in the whole world. <laughs> I mean, and it is. If yeah, you haven't is. if you haven't done a lot of that and you start doing it, you're like, this is all I want to do. At least that's how it was for me. And <laughs> yeah. I remember we would just go and sit in our car and listen to uh Oh, Ella, Etta James uh, at best. last and we would just have it on <laughs> on loop yes and I we were just making out for three hours <laughs> and I remember like at one point I was like I love you and I just kind of slipped out like <laughs> and then like the next day I was like I shouldn't have said that <laughs> just to give some context of like what kind of emotions it can turn in somebody that's not like haven't I mean that was my first girlfriend I had literally not made out with anyone yeah so it's it's That's pretty heavy if you're you know if you're like 
you know, 18 years old, 20 years old, whatever. And, and you're, never... you're just kind of starting to do that kind of stuff. It's like rose colored glasses for whoever you're with. I, yes. Agreed. And I will, when my, you know, first boyfriend is perfect example. Yeah. Go, well, all rose I was going to say glasses. is y'all don't let me forget. Um, whenever I share, I want to talk about that as well, because that was a big part of me, right. uh, getting married as well yeah um all right carry on but yeah so you know <laughs> the i get uh the jetta and i'm i was just so naive like i did not realize that he was basically just prepping me to be like this housewife like i don't know who he thought i was for like the full year we dated before getting engaged but like that's just not me like i'm a weirdo i'm kind of just I looking don't for like, another weirdo like, you know basic like stuff what I mean by that is like I'm I kind of got a hipster mindset, but I'm not a hipster at all. But it's like I'm just not that lady who's like wants to go like work for the museum committee and like look good on you know standing beside you. Right. That sounds horrible to me actually. <laughs> so yeah, but that's like I'm what like, he sign wanted. me up. <laughs> yeah, now it would be a little bit different, but especially that age, oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. So then like um we get engaged like um he took me to like houston like downtown incredible houston. hotel yeah. that we i got gave like you he had like a we have i have pictures of it because he had like a professional photographer like take all the photos and like a picnic was like out there like waiting for us so for the i mean engagement like, yeah like i mean it was all like but this is it like it, it's all like fairy tale stuff but it's because he has to to like fit this image and like yeah for his family to tell everyone how it was and so Honest question. When he asked you, did you 100% want to say yes at that moment? Was there it a was, was, was there comfortable? Was I was going to say was there a question that you kind of weren't ready for that question? Was there a question in your mind that you weren't ready for the question that he asked you? It was more like I felt like I had to say yes. Yeah, it wasn't like Oh, I need I'd to never just back out. It was like I can't back out. That's how it was in my mind. Had you already talked about getting engaged or married? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we had. Yeah. Um. But it's real sad. So he's just going for it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Whoa, full from speed. like the time of dating, starting talking to like you know getting engaged was al- almost a year exactly. So that's a very short time, in my opinion. And then we were only engaged for six months. So that's a very short time as well. But um, I am trying. There's so much <laughs> that's happened. But um, just like the stuff that started happening after we got married, um, he still was continuing to like try and mold me into this person that I just wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. And um, like... We bought, you know, we moved back here to College Station and lived here for a little bit. Right. And he was like traveling to China and stuff would be gone for two weeks. Oh, that's right. A lot. And then we ended up getting that house. We got a a really nice house in Houston, big house in Atascacita, which is like outside of Houston. And from the outside, I'm sure everyone's like was thinking this like they're they're having this great life. And like we, you know, Mm -hmm. we both had nice vehicles. So I, I do have a pretty bad memory, but I don't really remember much fighting and arguing happening until after getting married. 
um like when we lived over over here for anyone in the BC, Bryan College Station area I used to live like by the house that's by Fuego in the house by Fuego but it's now gone it was the like original one that was right there by Fuego so that was awesome but like that was our first house and I don't really remember we did fight because I we had some friends who like came over one time and they were going to say hi and they could hear us fighting oh, and they wow. were like oh that's uncomfortable so we're going to leave um, so I know that we were fighting by that time. So like y'all were yellers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our family. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we like yell. he was, my ex-husband wasn't, yes. uh, and we actually weren't for most of our marriage. Till yeah. But when I remember everything like escalating is little things like at this, that time I was like a freaking size four when he met me, mm. like I was in a really good shape and I, over the time we knew each other and like got married a few months into it maybe over all that time i'd gained like 10 pounds maybe so yeah. i still looked fine he looked fine girl <laughs> um but like he started to like kind of monitor what i was eating and like asking me if i worked out and like talking to me about like my clothes size and stuff like that so little things like that just started happening and um i just want to be like where did that come from? I'm like, yeah, because you were a fatty eating Brahms ice cream every <laughs> night. But yeah, you, you might go like, he might go run or something the next day so he could maintain. But it was like he got to eat what he wanted. Brahms. <laughs> that was his favorite it's, ice cream. It's exactly what you're saying um, it, from the outside looking in. You're like, oh, glorious. But nobody has any idea you you are being held to a certain yes clothing size and things like that yeah so i guess kind of like long story short what started things just kind of started escalating very quickly after we got married it and it did uh, ours got physical too and how long had y'all been married by the time the the weight stuff started coming up maybe four or five months and it may have been before yeah but i know i'm just kind of gauging by where where we lived right. like our houses whenever things started happening but um it was you know it was fast and he always was like a, all about like fitness and stuff because he had played football and everything and he had also been a fat kid so he kind of knew the dynamic or, right. and how it can be and how, i mean once you've been fat it's really easy to go back there <laughs> <laughs> but um so i mean it, it it had been like discussed but when he started really like cracking down and stuff it, it was after we were married but um just think i you know it's it's so hard to it's been a while since i got was married so it's hard to kind of remember what all of our fights were about but for me m most of it was that like i had no control over my life anymore mm. i was 100 percent controlled so you him. think that was like the beginning of your the beginning of the end yes and i just remembered like this was also should have been a red flag you know when we met i wasn't going to school i was doing music and i was working at i think blue baker mm. and i was very pleased i was just living my life saving up my money traveling when i had enough money for a ticket coming home like i was so happy living that way mm. but then suddenly this person comes into my life and is telling me that like my life doesn't isn't successful it doesn't look successful to people, but that's, you know, kind of like my hipster ways. I'm like, I don't care if it looks successful to other people, but this, you know, you get that bird like chirping in your ear every day saying like, well, you should go to college and you should work for like, he wanted me to work for like Anna Darko. 
like someday. Do, do you know? It's like oil and gas company and, oh, okay. you know, or a finance company, like all this stuff. Yeah. But it was like, it was all this projection. That's what he wanted to do. And I absolutely didn't. But, you know, he's the one who got me to starting going to college at Blinn and everything. So they're good things, but it was little things like that. Just like basically your life isn't. It was more about him than it was about you and your dreams. Yeah. Everything. Like he loved that I could sing and like play music and stuff, but I can't, I didn't, I haven't written, I wrote one song about him and it's called I'll be fine. And it's about like, I chose this, so I've got to make this okay. That's a good That's the only song I've ever written about him. I like it. I tried to write one like that was happy and it just was awesome. It was awful because <laughs> it was there was no happiness. Hmm. But um, so it, it, long story short, it started to get more physical because he got to where he realized like I, you know, so thought this girl was going to be like malleable and I could mm. make her what I wanted. He started to realize like, hell no, I'm not Mm-mm. like I'm still going to like live my life and try to be who I am and do what I want to do. So he didn't like that. He couldn't control me. So we would just get in arguments about the dumbest stuff like one time like speaking of like a fatty like he always wanted like papa john's and i actually worked at papa john's for i'm sorry i'm talking about fatty but i'm just like it makes me so mad like about him and all that stuff but um you're good he i worked at papa john's like delivering pizzas while i was in college and so we would get like either free pizza or we would get, you know, like cheap pizza. So I would bring it home after, um, a shift. And like one time I forgot like this cheese sauce that he wanted oh. and it just erupted into this huge fight. Like you don't care about me cause you forgot the cheese sauce. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, shit. I just came off a shift and I'm tired and yeah. I got you your free pizza, which we're not even supposed to get free pizzas. Right. But, but I got it for you. So it just little things like that all of the time. Um, and then also like anytime I would spend money, he would like call, like I would literally go to Target to like bear, buy a pair of shorts or something to work out because that's what he wanted me to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I get a call. Hey, I just saw you spent money at Target. What was that for? All the time. Just like, this, just this constant like. What the? What's hell? the word? Like big brother, you know. Um, but yeah, so, you know, stuff got physical and then like he was into guns, so he would i think it was he was feigning stuff but he would um like say that whenever i wouldn't do what he wanted to do like you're not making me happy i just you know life is awful he would like get the gun with his gun and like cock it and like there would be a bullet in the chamber and he would just like lock himself in a room like saying like screaming can you you know you knew him like can you imagine like that person acting that Mm -hmm. way you know basically threatening suicide or okay to control me and you know i'm nuts yeah i don't think any of us no had a clue because i would i didn't tell anybody we knew and we knew you knew i i didn't want something i told you so right we'll talk about that another time but yeah but but i had promise and i've had to work through a lot of things as you know and I definitely gave you a hard time for marrying him and I shouldn't have in the way that I did it. Um, I've obviously learned a lot. Um, but yeah, I know that was a lot too of probably staying in this relationship is like, God, I don't want to tell everybody it's actually 
turned out terrible or you yeah. know it was this, like living in this control controlled world yes um but you know because talking about like you said you know you kind of fess up to your own issues or whatever you had um i mean it's absolutely horrible but i also like deal with depression and anxiety and i deal with not so much now but i definitely dealt with like suicidal thoughts and like all of that stuff a lot especially during that time so i too you know to put it out there like i several times ended up in a closet by myself with a gun you know mm. i'm not gonna say that i didn't scare him yeah. but i wasn't doing it in me i feel like i wasn't doing it to try and control him i was just like at this wit's end of like i hate my life and i i'm not gonna get to ever live the life i want to this is absolutely horrible so i take full responsibility for basically doing the same thing he did you know mm -hmm. it's not okay that's absolutely wrong to scare someone like that um but yeah physical stuff like i've told y'all a few times like one time in the car we were fighting and he like grabbed my head and like beat my head into the um the bat the chair the, the headrest of the the car chair and just little things like that not little that's not little but just kind of constantly happening so finally not even a year 11 months into being married we i tell mom and dad that like what's going on and they're like oh my god like you have to leave so it was kind of a big secret like i secretly left one day when he was not home mm -hmm. and like mom and dad came <clears throat> and we brothers. got some of my stuff um so we separated i came back to college station and i was like pretty gung-ho about divorcing at that time but the people that we always are surrounded by it's like god can can reconcile anything and so i had a bunch of people and you know mm -hmm. telling me that i needed to go back i remember vividly some lady from antioch telling me that like she had a vision that like we were acorns in the ground or we were an acorn in the ground and that <laughs> god was gonna like water the acorn and like make Always it the fucking plant metaphors yeah. and, <laughs> and yeah but a she seed has was to like, die I see a river <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's okay but yeah so like i i was dealing with guilt about divorce because that's like the way we grew up that's like the worst thing you can ever do mm -hmm. is get divorced um or have sex before you get married i think that might be the worst that's the worst one then mm -hmm. divorce but um so i i ended up going back i think it was like three months later i ended up going back and by this time he had moved out to midland for mm -hmm. oil and um same thing i mean it, there was a lot less i think like the physical abuse was pretty much over by that time but the emotional and mental abuse was just as bad the controlling was just as bad mm. and we we bought a second house out there so we had two homes but this house that we had in midland he made us rent out rooms mm. to strangers that worked in the oil field and he, you know, because he worked in the oil field, he would be gone for two weeks right. at a time and just leave me with these strange dudes hmm. in his house. So I just finally realized, like, he doesn't care about me. So you didn't, you didn't feel like you had freedom in your own home is what you're saying or? Not at all. And okay. I was with strange men. Right. And then we, one roommate was a woman at one time. So she was super nice. Like, that was okay. But 
it was just that he kept telling everyone that I had agreed to have roommates and I was like I don't know where you're getting this because I never agreed to this and mm-hmm. it, but it was ga- like trying to gaslight me basically saying mm-hmm. that like I did agree to this stuff that's happened all the time um but it just kind of continued and when I finally all this time I was going to college when I finally got accepted to Texas A&M and like he was okay with me moving up here for basically at least two years and he wasn't going to try to move here or be close to me. He got me a di- my own bank account and took me off of his. I was like, what? What's going on? That's very strange. It's Yeah, I was like, I feel like you're basically setting me up to divorce you and you don't care about me. You are uh, mentally, emotionally, and sometimes physically abusive. <clears throat> I'm going to like kill myself if I stay in this. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I felt. Right. So whenever I got into A&M, I was like... I, I just remember calling him one day and I was like, I think we need to get a divorce. And he was just like, really? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. It was basically that kind of response. <laughs> wow. So I was like, you really didn't care. I think it's what you said. He thought that. You probably thought, sweet, do over. I'll find a real Dallas housewife this time. Well, That's what I, think. I think he, well, what I was going to say, it's what he thought you were going to be a person he could mold and manipulate to be what he wanted and that you'd be okay with it. And you, and you no, absolutely. But you weren't. And so he was like, okay, I didn't really, that's not what I was looking for. So I'm going to, even though this is going to kind of tarnish my name or how I look because I've been divorced. And it had been a fight for him. The whole, his, Mm -hmm. his whole idea of like making me into what he wanted me to be was, had just been a battle. So I'm sure he was like, maybe I get another chance. Right. But this, these, these are just two things that came up into my mind. I know I've told you Cecilia several times, but like we had motorcycles. And so whenever you ride a motorcycle, you're supposed to wear like high top shoes or like boots and like clothing covering you. Right. So I had like some really cool, they were Michael Kors. Yeah. High tops. Like it wasn't even like. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> they weren't like masculine, you know, they were, but they were cute. They were cool. Right. But then I would also wear my cool, like flannel tops and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he would constantly call me a dyke. Wow. Like he would constantly say really rude stuff to me like that. And then also he would constantly be talking about like breast implants. <laughs> I'm like, you are talking to the wrong woman and you <laughs> should like, have known that. Like he should have known that you're barking before at the got wrong married. tree. Yeah. So it was just like this constant like cut down of who you are, you know, and I'm like, you didn't look like a lesbian I, to me. I know. I, I know I didn't. <laughs> but it's like he just couldn't stand. I think he just couldn't stand that. I wasn't like that. You're more of wanted. a tomboy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then we just ended up divorcing and um, I didn't take any anything from the divorce. I left him like even my car. I didn't take anything because I just didn't. He had a real obsession with money, and so I just knew that it would have been a fight, and all I wanted was to be done. Mm -hmm. So, you were. How long did it take you all to get divorced once you started, or from the time that you told him to when you all actually finished it? I think it it took, like, around um, four months, so it was pretty quick. Uh, Yeah, I think it was, like, August, and we were divorced by December. Was that four months, September, whatever. But it was around that, that time. And so it was, it was really quick just because like I didn't try to fight anything. But the only thing I'm upset about is that I, 
I'm pretty sure she told me, but I forgot that like legally I still have his last name because I didn't put in the divorce decree that I wanted my maiden name back. So that really I think it's me off. I think it's about uh, $500 to change your name plus a boatload of things like fingerprints. Yeah, I tried to change my name so like you should I try tried to go through the process, but two times they lost my fingerprints and they kept asking for them. So I was just like, F this. I'm not. Doing hey, it. right now, pandemic time, everything has to be done through email and stuff. It might be easier. Just thought it's it's pricey, but <laughs> we'll look. Maybe I'll look into that because, yeah, that's not too fun, but it is what it is. So what do you what would you say are the lessons that you learned or like your big takeaways from that marriage? I think like the biggest thing is realizing like that reacting to someone is so is not the way to go and like learning because I'm still like a a pretty reactive person, but I'm working on being less reactive because like um, I didn't mention it earlier, but like he would like when he was like physical, physically violent towards me, I would sometimes like hit him in the chest and stuff. And so none of that is okay. And so just kind of realizing throughout that relationship that I, most of my anger and everything that I dealt with was my my reaction to him. So even though I'm like blaming him in my mind that you're making me act this way, it's like, no, you're being reactive. So that's a big takeaway. And I think too, like you shouldn't allow your friends and family to like decide who you marry, but many of my friends and family did not think that it was a good idea and I should have like heeded that um, advice much more and like if you see red flags like to really as much as it sucks because like when you really fall in love with someone like it's like the red flags really really suck but like for your own good and like to have a good and full life (laughs) you need to run away (laughs) Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think that's key, but, you know, we don't want to listen to other people, but if, like, the person doesn't really fit in with your friend group or not, again, not that other people should choose your spouse, but um, people... You need to have a healthy relationship of hearing people in your life. At least listen and give, yeah. Or if there's a trend of friends and family mentioning something, then you have to be open to at least examining that. Take it into consideration, weighs the pros and cons, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it depends on who it's coming from, too. Exactly. Like, if four crackheads in a row uh, in your friend group, God forbid you have crackhead friends. If <laughs> if they were all weighing in on your <laughs> marriage or like person that you were dating, you'd be like, "Thank you." Is that the cracks? Very much Talk for your for your crackhead advice. <laughs> <laughs> but if you respect them and they're wise people, then you know and, something and to consider. Yeah, if I it's had some of my close, like a few of my closest friends, like take me to our coffee, <clears throat> the favorite coffee shop, and like tell me in the kindest way but I was not receptive whatsoever like tell me in the kindest way that they thought that it was unhealthy for me to be in in that relationship and they were right isn't that the worst when you have to be like and I was not right but here's the part for me I usually know yeah but it's like I'm just pushing it away and I don't want to be like 
I know, that, but it's like, this is what I want right now. So I'm going to do it, you know? And yeah. it's like, and, but my life could be so much, you know, better or fuller, you know? And a lot of times I think for me, because of what I went through and we'll get to mine later, but I wanted everything that was as far away from what I had been around as possible. Meaning I didn't want somebody that was in church and leading worship or on the prayer team or on the new, you know, because I'm like, are they just hiding stuff or are they not really who they are? And they're just putting out this front of who they want people to think they are. Um, when really I'm like, they probably are really good people, you know, within those you get things. spooked though like you by that group right exactly so i think but so there's it but there is that um wisdom in a multitude of counselors there really is and especially if it's people that love you and known you for a long time so something that my counselor talked to me about was because i was asking her you know how do you just like pick up on all the signs or how do you how do you figure out what's going on with a person you know ahead <laughs> right. of time and she, I think she had pretty good advice. It's kind of just basically to live life together and have as many experiences and different scenarios and experiences that you can have together to see how they react in certain situations. Like, do they have empathy with these types of people? Do they own up to mistakes they made and things like that? And you, if you have a pretty good idea of like, what the signs of health are with people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty crucial to just know what those things are. But it, and then you can start to see how they are living in their life and how they react to certain situations, and you can understand who they are. But I think, you know, how things are today, it's, it's a lot, you know, dating is just like uh, you're in dating world. Right. And you're not always living life together in the way that you would uh, if you were married or something. So you have to kind of almost create those scenarios mm-hmm. or fabricate life situations or, or whatever, I guess. Go on vacation together. That's a big indicator. Oh, I can't man. tell mm-hmm. you the amount of like fights, not only in my marriage, but then my relationship after that, that was like five years. Almost every single trip just ruined yeah. because of some like dumb argument. It's true. I mean, I have another friend that um, was dating and things seemed to be going pretty well. And then they they went on a just a, a long weekend, like a Thursday through a Sunday. Bad news, you know, and it's like I knew then. Yeah, this is not going to be this is not going to work out. But, you know, the person is, you know, it's like they want it. The, the relationship or you're lonely, you're sick and tired of being alone and you want a partner to do life with. Um, but man, it's, it's interesting you say that. That's a good one. Cause I haven't thought about that in a while. Definitely going on trips and like your, uh, therapist said, you know, multiple different types of things together, situations. So I think that's, which is not something that happens in the Christian dating world. Oh no. Because you're supposed <laughs> to be like, you're going on vacation with him. Are you going alone? Are you Are staying you in the same sex? hotel room? <laughs> Actually, yeah. no, actually, my godmother, of all people, she told me um, about a camping story that they, they went camping, but they, and they shared a tent, um, but they slept in their own sleeping bags. And so she does have a thing about going on trips because it's, imp- she said, you do get to know things that you wouldn't know, but she said, <clears throat> same tent, different sleeping bag. 
<laughs> but I love it because I mean, do we, I, what we were talking about at the time, it, I didn't think about it with all of this that you were saying, but it's, it's true. You see people in a different, in a different, uh, way. I don't know how that would pan out, but <laughs> <laughs> depends on how much, apparently they had a lot of self-control. Yeah. Very wise. Sounds like they did. Yeah. I don't, um, probably have that much self-control, but I almost feel like, you know, it goes against kind of conventional marriage stuff, but if you're getting married, mm -hmm. especially for people who are, you know, quote unquote, saving themselves before right. they get married, it, it would almost be nice to have like a trial period, <laughs> like, like a, like an interim, like just in case time, like <laughs> you're getting married, but you're really going into like a, like a three month just in case. <laughs> Where, like, where, yeah, where you can basically can get your marriage like actually annulled and it doesn't take 500 things to, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't have to sign a marriage license. Yeah. There are ways I'm sure about it. You know, I know people that get married and have a ceremony but don't sign a license because they're like, this is between us and God. I like that. Yeah. And they're like, that's that's how we're gonna do it. It's BS, and we all know it. After being di divorced, like right, the a piece of, of paper time means it nothing. It takes to get married and get your paper and all that stuff and make yourself husband and wife is like five seconds compared right. to how long it takes to get get a divorce. Every, the divorce, so it all boils and down add to children anyway. to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I used to think that about you know piece of paper doesn't well. I, my reaction to that piece of paper doesn't mean anything kind of comment is, would be, well, if it doesn't mean anything, then just sign it. And I think that's what a lot of people think. But, you know, like, like y'all were saying, like having gone through it, you kind of go, well, it actually doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean what people are going to do what they want to do, essentially. So it doesn't right. mean what we are all saying it means at the ceremony. And let me rephrase that. I, that's really a jaded, bitter response of me to say it means nothing. It does mean something because you are vowing in front of friends and family um, and witnesses that you are going to commit your life to somebody. So in that instance, yes. And, and I used to say I'm not getting married or, or I was very like, I, I think in my heart I've always wanted to be remarried, but in in being hurt from a divorce, things like that, I didn't, didn't ever want to, but I do want that because I do think there's something important about standing up in front of friends and family and witnesses and vowing, you know, to love each other. Now, does that mean anything today? <laughs> it should, but I don't know that it does, especially if it's founded on, I've had friends that get married and it's like, basically the, the, whole marriage is founded on lies from the beginning because there's so many things hidden before they and they get married and they didn't know so you know that's difficult it's very difficult and that's why I think we need to have more compassion and empathy for those around us and not be so damn judgmental yeah something that I am thinking about in marriage is I feel like the vows need to be a little bit more um expanded they're, they're not and very so. all-encompassing. When I go to a wedding now and I, when we get to the vow part, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, Here we go. In, in my, like, I hate it, but 
in my heart, I'm like, this is some bullshit. Like, <laughs> everything so jaded about that these people are saying right now, they are three months out from negate. Like basically, <laughs> basically, I I a know, living hell. I know. Well, I don't want to be super <laughs> cynical and jaded, but right. in reality, like think about the the scripted vows that everyone has. It's doesn't it doesn't really talk about anything, mm-hmm. you know, and. I, it's hard to listen, you know, it's hard to hear from people who have been down that road when you're about to go down that road because you're, you have that youthful optimism, but I feel like it's pretty important for people who are going to get married to, uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of on their community around them to, to basically say, listen, if you think that you are incapable of doing all the worst things that you can do, like you're wrong. You know, you're actually not different than anyone else who's gotten divorced or whatever, like something, uh, whatever somebody has done in your family Mm -hmm. or a friend that you've known that have uh, gone in a wrong direction in marriage or whatever, like it's probably going to happen with you. So you should talk about how you're going to deal with like, I mean, I'm going to have that conversation with my son Oh, and I'm going to be like, here's all of the likely things that will happen. So how are you going to deal with that? And are you okay with these kind of things coming up? Because it's just naive to have this like idea of how things are going to go. Um, Hopefully you raise your child to carry themselves in a way where a lot of these dynamics are not coming up when they're getting married and they've kind of gone through the paces in mm-hmm. life and can deal with it. But chances are they haven't because they're no, probably getting married not. at 23, 25 or whatever. And right. how much have they been through at that point? Like nothing. not a lot. Right. No, I agree. Um, have you all heard those? Um, if not, and for anyone listening, I think you should go check it out if you haven't. Um, her name's Jeanette. McGee Watson. She is a poet. Originally, she was um, what's that called? A, a slap, slam poetry. Sl- slam poetry. Yes, she's a slam ho- poet. But um, if you look up, I waited for you wedding vows. Um, she put her vows into um, a poem, but they were vows for her husband, and I freaking love them because, like, one of her lines is like. I vow um, that, you know, I will fail you. And she goes through, and not because it's like that you should be focused on the negative, but what she's saying is, here's what I'm capable of. I know I'm capable of falling down. I know I'm capable of hurting you, but this is what I hope to be for you. And um, you do have my heart and you do have my love, but I'm going to let you know now um, that, these are the potential things. And I just, it's beautiful the way she puts it, but she also says, um, I think it's in that one where she says, um, you know, I vow, um, to like accept you for who you are and no one else and things like that. But we don't really think about our words or like you said, the original vows that are in there. Um, and there was one other thing. Oh, um, what did she say? There was like a line that really, Oh, she said, she made the comment that, um, she said something and then she's like, you don't complete me, you know, and, and you never will. And she went to a spiritual reference of 
you know, God being the missing piece that completes her. Um, but, but building a relationship together, um, where you're kind of missing pieces of each other, but at the same time, that other person doesn't complete you. And I know for a fact that when I got married, I definitely thought that I could marry somebody and change them, but I was 18 years old. Um, that's the dumbest thing that anyone could ever think. People don't change. Yeah. They change. I got a good friend. He said people change about 15%. That's what they're capable of. <laughs> That's not scientific or anything, anyone. But, but you shouldn't even plan on that 15%. No, you shouldn't plan on that. And um, so you either need to love them for exactly who they are, um, or maybe you should second guess that uh, type of commitment to somebody. Um, and Which requires you knowing exactly who they are too yeah (laughs) which is which is right no no exactly exactly and um then i think that being not that we can i don't know if we ever could could be fully whole by ourselves but we need to get as close as we can and like you and i've talked about joe you know many times meditating doing things to what what helps me grow but get if you're a person of growth, of course you want to find somebody with similar, you know, similar goals, but make sure that you're doing what you need to keep yourself fed. And whether that's exercising or meditating, or if you have to take a two mile walk every day or whatever it is, make sure that you're whole all by yourself, which has been the hardest thing for me. And that's why I know I don't think I know that I'm single today is because I still had a lot of healing and growing and I still think I've got a little bit more, but I'm hoping I'm getting closer every day, you know, um, to being in a place where I can have a really healthy relationship with another person. But I think that's key. So definitely go yeah. check out her poetry cause it's awesome. What was her name again? Um, it's Jeanette McGee Watson. But I mean, if you just YouTube, um, I waited for you wedding vows, it'll pop right up and it's about 10 minutes long some of the most beautiful vows I've ever heard, you know, of course she has a way with words, but I love it because it's just straight up honest. Yeah. Um, I was going to say when you said like, she's like, you won't, you don't complete me. The thought I had is if someone told me that and they're like, you don't completely complete me. I'm already complete. That's basically what they're saying. Be like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) That's Uh, a good thing. I second that because I don't, I don't want. Yeah, I can't. Like you, we are, I think, all at that stage where we're like, oh, well, I know I can't complete you, you know. And I think so it should be like a weight off your shoulders. It should be. It should be. And I think growing up, sometimes when you grow up in a um, more religious or fa- like extreme faith-based home, um, which I, I'm, I'm a, a fan of faith and all of that, but sometimes I think people get some of these, especially, um, I would say people who followed the Bible, um, that whole, like the man and the woman, like there is a whole like leave and cleave thing and you should be your own family unit. Um, but I think sometimes there's some misinterpretation and some things of the whole, like the two shall become one. Like, yes, there's that you're your own family unit, but you have to be satisfied with yourself and your own life or you're never going to be satisfied with anybody else. Well, that's my own personal experience anyway. Oh, me, oh, life. I just thought of a weird wedding experience I had, like, right when I moved back. Of course, it's 
only something I feel like you would experience in Texas, but I'm sure it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So uh, I went to a wedding with a friend, and it is one of the prominent churches here in BCS Mm. that we know of. Yes. And um, I'm remembering another wedding that I went to with the same church, and in the ceremony, the um, officiant basically mentioned that both times yeah but in both both weddings um they mentioned in the ceremony which i thought was the first time i didn't really think of it too much but the second time i was like what the is this (laughs) (laughs) and they they mentioned like he mentioned that the couple had like kept themselves pure like they made it a point to talk about that and i was like the, the first time, like I said, it didn't really register. I remembered him saying it, but it didn't really strike me in any way. And that was before I moved mm. to Hawaii. So I, was, I guess I was just kind of used to it. But the second time I heard it, years later, um, you know, in basically 2020, I was like, this is some, <laughs> this is some self-righteous shit right here. Yeah. This is like what... I mean, I understand the value of somebody striving towards that. Of course. For a majority of people who didn't get to that point, it's it's almost like it's really not worth mentioning, you know, no. at all. I think it, yeah, it comes it's across. It's such a private thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a private thing that if you do make it there. That's between that's you and your spouse. enjoy and be like happy about. Mm-hmm. Right. Not for the whole world to know about, we, oh, you haven't jumped in bed together. Your sexual sexuality, I don't believe should be public news for the world. But for everyone else who is going to that church and, you know, accidentally gave their BF and HJ or mm-hmm. whatever else, <laughs> like, how are they feeling about that? Right. And by the way, how does God feel about it? I don't know. You're probably going to burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) I think think he gives less shits about it than the church Mm -hmm. does. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when, again, and anyone listening has to understand that in the realm uh, that we grew up in, and this actually includes promise as well. Obviously we're siblings. We've taken God and we've put him in a box and we've like nailed him in that box. And like, you don't get to get out God, like whatever it is, whatever subject or whether it's sex outside of marriage or obviously homosexuality is a big one for the church. And it's like, we've taken, and it's like, we're limiting God to what he can do and who he is. And this is not about, like I said, when we were talking earlier this evening, it's not about us, um, you know, saying things like this as a license to be terrible people or run around and act fools. It's about realizing that God is so much more gracious than we are. That's for sure. And that if you believe the Bible and if you believe, if you're one of those people that have that as your faith base, and the reason we talk about it um, a lot, you know, on this podcast is because of are, are raising and, um, how we grew up. But if that is your main, you know, base of faith, um, it literally says it's by grace we've been saved 
through faith and not by works. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, not the pure in life, the pure in heart. And I think that we, and especially this Western church, just, um, if you're not speaking in tongues and dancing and whatever, then, you know, and, and apparently keeping yourself pure, you know, um, for the world to know, then it's, you know, I don't know. And pure is so relative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because don't get like you us can't started walk around town and not have a bad thought. Right. Uh, you know. So I don't know if I made all. You're like, oh, right. And I, I don't unpure, impure. Right. According in, in to the, the Bible. Book, yeah. Right. Exactly. That's why I'm saying we've taken all these things um, and we want to excommunicate people or try to. And I'm like, um, let's probably if we took an anonymous poll of how many people were pure or impure in the aforementioned church anonymously, it'd be a lot higher than everyone thinks. So I'm just Amen, saying, sisters, we <laughs> we love people. We don't we try not to judge people. Yeah. Based and I on think, too, is like a lot of stuff that actions, a lot of negative stuff would be brought to light if people weren't shamed for like oh i i gave you an hj (laughs) (laughs) or it's like i kissed you and now i feel like i have to marry you yeah a lot Uh, of negative stuff wouldn't happen if there was a more open dialogue about that stuff anything that's suppressed can be yeah anything's nasty right (laughs) kept in the dark (laughs) wait what's an hj (laughs) uh happy Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what is that? I know, I know what it is. I, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> just messing with your head. I'm just yanking your chain. <laughs> Promise, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks. This was really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, a good uh, start for uh, yeah, having our first guest. We had some good times in that band. Mm-hmm. I might have been a little bossy, but yeah, I don't remember really anything in particular. But Joe used to sing. She's me. pretty bossy. He used to sing me. I was used to it just because <laughs> she was my big sister. You can't always get what you want. And then I like <laughs> did the Enneagram or whatever, and they're like, if Enneagram Seven had a song, you it can. would be. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. That little song plays. I was like, oh my. I wish God. they had. Did they have songs for each Enneagram? Probably, but. Anyhow, <laughs> that's another topic. Are you a, f- what are you a four? Yes. Oh, I feel like the song for that would be, I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joseph. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. That's true. <laughs> yes. I'm only happy when it rains. Okay. Not, like feeling sad can feel pretty good. See? Yeah. <laughs> I'm only happy when it rains. I used, to think that I, was, I used to think that I was a four. Really? Yeah, I did for a while until I found out that. Eights were kind of like fours, but just a lot more kind of hard. Aggressive. They were like hard. They're like hardened by their experiences, but they're deeply like emotional they're, and kind of that's a good feeling I, that's a good and thing. all that. Well, I, I would say they come across. Yeah. They're thinkers. Eights are think thinkers more than feelers. They are feelers, but it's all it's a underneath that exterior of the thinker, right? That thinker comes out is what everybody sees uh, first. You know that aggressive harshness. Yeah, well, the way, the way I've heard so it explained well. is I'm like it's basically somebody who an eight enneagram is someone who um, is kind of similar to a four. They're like 
they are emotional and there are like basically like a kind person and, and really soft deep down. Mm-hmm. But they they're also because of their experience, they kind of gained this crusty exterior, which basically says, you know, like if you take advantage of me or somebody that I care about, you're going to die. <laughs> so what would, what would an eight song be? Any any thoughts on that one? Eights are hardcore, man. I'm an eight wing. The, I listened wing to eight. a podcast where there was a big Enneagram expert or whatever talking mm-hmm. about songs and, and their uh, different numbers. And mm-hmm. I think um, he was saying, I it sounded like a Radiohead song. But it had I, to be something like. It was like God Hail the King or something. Hail the King, I think. But it's like a, <laughs> it's like a military song. Oh, it, it's it, like it was like if it, like when they come in the room, they put off this kind of presence, which is mm-hmm. like I'm in charge. And and idea. and they'll make sure you know it too. Like yeah. you don't. That's and weird because I don't feel that way with you, but I think it's just because we grew up together. But the yeah. thing is, I think I think that too. Because I I if I thought about like someone first meeting you now, maybe, but it's like yeah, because I know you already. Well, I changed over time because I used to be just like kind of a pushover to be honest, but. I got I did get to a point where I was like I have to stand up for myself mm-hmm. and I think that was really more of kind of who I was. Now now that I have kind of embraced that mm-hmm. side of myself That's like it, it's wanted, more of who I am yeah. than the other side of things. Yeah, because I think I mean Joe's going to definitely there's no doubt when he thinks he's right. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always sending him like memes about himself. <laughs> and he's like, "Is that me?" No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna do another one, uh, another yeah, podcast, because Cecilia didn't get to do hers. This is already the longest podcast we've done. I think right. that's quite fitting for a seven. They need to learn some patience. <laughs> patience. Boom. I'm just, with you. I'm just playing. You just got enneagrammed by your sister. <laughs> it's okay. I feel bad for mine taking so long. No, actually not. And actually, yeah, we can. We'll figure out how we separate it out. But I yeah. think it's. I think it's been a good one, and we needed a. It was a good start with. It was like this therapy session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all around. And that's another episode of tricky, tricky situations. Today we talked about a lot of serious subjects. We use comedy to, you know, deal with difficult situations, but um, a lot of what we talk about is, like I said, serious. And if you or a loved one are dealing with suicidal thoughts or have inclination that someone is, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you or a loved one are being abused physically, mentally, emotionally, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233.